When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good afternoon. Welcome in to the Run Home Special Edition on your public holiday Waitangi weekend. It is Monday the 6th of February and I can't think of a better way to kick off the show than simply the best sitting here with Mitch McLeanigan, of course, who is in for Beaver at the moment. Welcome in, Mitch. How's your long weekend been? Yeah, it's been good. It's been good. Um, yeah, it's a wedding anniversary yes. today. Yeah, I've been in the office most, most of the oh, day. Well, what do you normally Another do on your hours? wedding anniversary? Do you do anything uh, well, that's, special? That's not something for for air. We do lots of things special. Um, it's the one special day of the year, as you're about to find out, Kirst. You're a Next week year. away. Next yeah, year yeah I'll but find you're out. a week away from time and all. That's bloody I am exciting. A week away and you, you know what? I'm totally chill about it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what like what was your wife like the week before the wedding? As I feel like most brides are are really stressed and mm. nah, you meet, less. Meet, yeah, <laughs> when, you, when you meet my wife, she's uh, the most chilled she's person. Relaxed. Super relaxed. So uh, it wasn't a. No, we she got a wedding done in uh, two and a half months. Where did you? Did you guys get married in Auckland? Yeah, yeah, we did. Out at uh, Tahihi Estate. Where's that one? Out uh, Karakaway. Oh yes. Or was it a big, week- big wedding. Yeah, it was uh, decent. Yeah, we had a hundred people there. Yeah, it was nice actually. We stayed on stayed on site the night. Had a little nine hole golf course, which was which was key for me. Uh, there was only one thing I wanted. Um, so, yep, so it was actually bloody awesome. Uh, so what are you doing? Are you doing like a pre, pre-reveal or...? Yes, we're going to do Great. the first look. We don't want to leave the party. It's Great. like, That's what like we I did. asked Best thing we ever did. I Best can't believe people say, okay, everyone come to my wedding, and then they're like, right, we're buggering off for two hours now. You guys just Great. entertain yourself. Great, cool. Great, cool. Who Great, does cool. that? Yeah, yeah. Like, yes. And I'm sorry if I've offended you and, and you actually did that on your wedding. I don't want to leave the party for two hours. I don't even want to leave the party for ten minutes. Yep, uh, we had uh, the best advice I got given. We did that. We did the pre-look, mm. but then the best advice was to go. Did you cry? Uh, no, no, you're not an emotional no, person, are you, Mitch? No, I'm, I'm, I am a bit emotional. But, did you cry um, at all? Yeah, only emotional about how bad the Warriors are. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. That's why I support Manly because they're half, success, year, half successful. Oh, yeah, okay, true, true, true. Um, now, the best advice I got given was to um, take, make sure once you've done the ceremony, go to a room, take 10 to 15 minutes just by yourself, just you and your, you and your partner, and just sit there and chill. No, just not not that way. We're not going in there for any kind of saucy stuff. Just sit down, Why? have a beer and a wine, and just relax. Straight after the... Straight after, yeah. So everyone will come up and congratulate you. Awesome, bloody great. Find a room, sit down, have a beer, have a glass of wine. Uh, it's like it's just... It's quite nice, yeah, isn't it? Just really a moment. Nice and, it's the a only moment, of, moment that you get. It's the only moment of quiet you get <laughs> the whole time. How rowdy was yours? Yeah, uh, yeah super <laughs> rowdy, super rowdy. And there's a few golf carts on course. And, and one of your friends, Laura McGoldrick, yes. uh, actually ended up uh, with Colin Monroe's wife hooning around. They were larrikins. They were absolute carnage. Like yeah, some great photos, actually. That no, was fantastic. Oh, uh, good fun. We signed the night off with uh, Burgerfield at 130 that's perfect. It was wicked. That is perfect. Was it yeah. a one-day affair or did you go back for more? We went back the next day. Mm. Yeah, we'll come back the next day nice. around the pool, so it was bloody good. What's your plans? Uh, we're doing a three-dayer. Drinks on the Friday Sheesh. at okay. a bar. 
yep. in Queenstown. And then Saturday wedding, which we're in for the long haul. It's a two o'clock start. Yep. So I'm not sure uh, how long people are going to last. Yeah, but I'd dust say, may not have settled by then. Mm-mm. Mm. Uh, which is why they're going to get straight back into it. Uh, and then back for more on Thursday. Why bring everyone to Queenstown for a one day or when you can bring them for three? Yep, 100%. Now, that sounds bloody great too. So I might be sick of you by then. They probably you might, will. You'll probably be sick of them. I'm going to need more than 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to tap will. out for yeah, an hour and say, look, I just need a bit of time. Yeah, 100%. I need no, a bit that's, of a break. That's reasonable, but yeah, nice. That's bloody good. That's it's exciting. It's going to be a long weekend. Okay, well, when you, when you said you had a fitting this morning, I didn't know it was a wedding dress fitting. That's my outstanding. Second fit, my second, second fitting. Yeah, okay. I've got oh. My my mum, but I'm not staying in the dress. Oh. Did your wife stay in hers? Well, she did exactly the same. You They're guys not comfortable. are pretty similar, right? They're not comfortable. So. I'm not going to stay in the same dress. No, that's true. That's true. All um, night long. Not, not, I want no, not having ever worn in. a dress. Um, I, I can't actually comment on the subject. No. But I'll take your word for it. Uh, well, there's an interview we've got coming up later on, and, and I can't comment on that either because I would have no idea what it feels like or. or yeah, you weren't keen on it. McIver told me not to give it away, but we've got a horrendous. Uh, don't don't give it away. Yeah, don't give it away. That's Surely what we've got to give clues. Oh, yeah. Just, it's uh, enticing. Yeah, it is enticing. Um, yeah, I don't know. What, what would you say? It's it's uh, quite. I, my tip would be it kind of relates to Dylan Booker. And Donovan Mitchell. Mm. Mm. Any NBA fans out there? Every hour you can just yeah. give us another another clue. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Dylan. <laughs> Devin. 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 Devin Book. Sorry. Devin. Polly. Apologies. Yeah. So uh, that, that would be my first clue. So there was an incident this week, uh, yeah, between those two, mm. which escalated into a bit of a scrap. So mm, there's mm. your clue. There's your clue. Great interview, though. <laughs> well, how was you your long weekend? I wasn't that keen. <laughs> I don't like gruesome stuff. Mm. I don't. I can't look at injuries. Like if someone snaps their leg on the rugby field, I can't watch it. It's yeah, sick. Well, that's fair. But even that's, if it's not snapping a leg, if yeah. it's like an arm bent back, oh, I just don't like it. Yeah, fair, I don't fair, like fair. it. I, there's something about blood and guts, and ugh, it just makes me feel queasy. <laughs> I know, I know, and this is even more queasy. But I can't relate to it. You see, yeah, you like can't. if it was a limb, I'd be like, oh yeah, I get that. I can't relate to this one. Yeah, no, you're right. And actually, I did get the whole name wrong, actually, there, Jacob. <laughs> Apologies, it's Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks, one Dylan of the Brooks. dirtiest players that players in the NBA. Look him up. Uh, yeah, and Donovan Mitchell. So they had an incident this week. So, yep, so that's on the cards, and, and we do have a lot of cricket. I, I know you're super excited about that. I can't wait. We've got an hour and a half worth of cricket, but this is the run home for the next four hours. It is a four-hour Waitangi Day special. Let us know what you are doing this weekend, how you spent your long weekend. Maybe you're travelling back from somewhere. Uh, maybe you're at work just like us. Not everyone has the, the long weekend off, do they? We want to hear from you today. Double eight double three on the Temper and Bed Post text line or give us a call. We'd love to have a chat with you. 0800 150 The phone lines are open. You can call us at any stage. True the fat. Uh, ask Mitch any questions you feel like or put some questions to us. We'd love to catch up with you today. But coming up on the show, coming up on the Macca's menu, thanks to Mick Delivery, we've got Tony Wood, who's a land-based fisherman. Now, now, I am excited to talk to him. 
I'm very excited okay. to talk to Tony Wood. Uh, that is at half past two. Mm. If you've got any questions for him or any of our other guests, fire them our way on the text line double eight double three. We play Drive to Survive. So if you want to be in to win uh, a $50 TAB bonus bet voucher, listen out for your cue to call just before three o'clock. You might need a top up or maybe you won big over the weekend on the TAB. If you did, let us know. After three o'clock, we've got Jordan McArdle, who's a sports writer for the Western Australia, uh, the paper over there. He's a cricket writer, sports writer as well, who would uh, have been there at Optus Stadium over the weekend for the Big Bash final. Ethan Athewa, Leinster legend, is joining us to talk about the Six Nations. It is back. Curious if you watched any of those matches over the weekend, what did you think? It is a huge year for the Six Nations. It is Rugby World Cup year. We know we're going to cross over with Ireland uh, or South Africa in the quarterfinals. Of course, we'll play France in the first match of the Rugby World Cup. Mm. So we need to keep a close eye on these Six Nations matches and these players. Uh, after four o'clock, Luke Wright, Auckland Aces assistant coach and England selector as well. Big guns coming on the program between four and five o'clock. And Scotty Stevenson, who, of course, is a Spark Sport commentator uh, working on the Super Smash at the moment. The finals are coming up this Saturday. After five o'clock, we talk basketball. We've got a basketball hour coming up. And for good reason, too, the voice of basketball, Andrew Mulligan, is on the show just after five because the Breakers have home court advantage for the semifinals of the NBL for the first time since 2015. It is something to celebrate. Uh, and that year, the last time they had it, they won too. They won a title, so maybe it's a good omen. Plus, we've got Brevin Galloway as well from Clemson University Basketball. He's an absolute star over there playing in the NCAA. Plus, so much more. That is the Macca's menu. Thanks to McDelivery, delivering your Macca's favourites straight to your door. We've got a big old show playing, Mitch, when you hear that. We've got a lot to fit mm. into the next uh, three hours, 50 yeah, we do. Um, what are you most excited about uh, out of that? that ba- little, you, basketball. The basketball. The yeah, basketball. You're excited now. Okay, yeah. cool, the cool, full, cool. The full, the full shabam. The full shabam, yeah. The full Our shabam. basketball should be bloody great, actually. Uh, uh, big moves in the basketball. Kyrie Irving's gone yes. to the Mavericks. We'll be able to talk to Marley mm, about that. We will, we will. I know uh, Jacob, our producer. He's not he's, happy. He's, he he's doesn't dark. think it's a good move. Doesn't think it's a good move for the Mavs. Thinks that uh, neither of them play defence. So, Well, I think Jacob is just uh, a little upset in general today. Probably the fact that he's working because he had a he had a big weekend. Oh, OK, yeah. What, what you can do is uh, when you're that young, eh? We're talking Jacob, about dancing yeah. on tables. Oh. We're talking <laughs> oh, about... Yeah, I didn't mention that to you, I didn't go into that. No, okay. we're talking about a big old, big okay. old Sunday. Good. I like that. So, Jacob, uh, and he's flying solo today as well. Yeah, all by it's tough myself. Out there, Jacob, it's tough out there. Mr. Lonely. You need to work out how you can actually panel from inside the studio. <laughs> That's a good idea, actually. Then you can come and join us. Come and join us in the hot seat. Uh, but did you have a good weekend, Jacob? Oh, it was one of the best of the, of the year. Was it? Well, considering well, a couple we're, weekends we're in ago. in January. No, we're in Feb now. Yeah, well. You've had four weekends. One of the best so far. Um, Why is that? Well, I mean, considering a couple of weeks ago my car got flooded and I got ridden off, that was the weekend before. It started off pretty not that great. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no. Nah. Was it a shit car? Are you getting a better car? Uh, it was. Is it still out there? Yeah, it's still there. Um, it was my. I bought it off my nana about five years ago. So it was a 2003 Corolla hatchback. Yeah. So it was probably, probably due for an upgrade. I, yep. I was putting it off for a while, but. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, how's the upgrade looking? Um, the yeah. insurance party's coming to, or the insurance. Yeah, no, it's good. Companies um, coming to the party? Yeah, yeah, so I had full cover, thank Beautiful. God. Do but, they, um, how is that all working after the floods? Like, is it easy to get your money to be able to buy a new car? Or is it? has it been a bit of a battle? Uh, not a battle. They're pretty sympathetic. Um, they should be too. Yeah, but obviously jam-packed with uh, more important matters. I mean, people's homes and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, no, they seem pretty pretty good about it. Um, uh, I'm not sure about pace, like how fast they're going to pay it out or anything like that but uh, yeah no I'm um, I'm looking at a Suzuki Swift Sport Ooh, for my next okay. car love so it I'm not sure I'm color? not sure if, color choice oh I'm gonna go bright pink oh uh, <laughs> no <nah. laughs> probably just the just the safe black or grey or something like that but yeah not 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 anything too too like outlandish I won't tell you my story about a Suzuki Swift oh really what's well I mean great car I have to ask now Great cars. What's what's the story? I wrote it off. Really? Yeah, they're like tin cans. They crush around you. Oh no! I did actually hear the safety rating wasn't too it's great. It's terrible. When the um, the tow truck pulled up, he was like, "Do yourself a favor and never ever buy a Suzuki Swift," because <laughs> he said he turns up to like ninety percent of the yeah. cars that he picks up after an accident are Swifts. Oh no! Okay. Well, so maybe if you're, I'm rethinking if you're safety that. conscious. Yeah. But then again, you're only driving around the city, really, aren't you? You're Live not on the edge, Jacob. Live on the edge, mate. Yeah, I mean... To be fair, you're probably a better driver than me, so it doesn't matter. Uh, I, I shouldn't know. have had the accident. Because <laughs> yeah. it was my fault. I've never had a crash, uh, touch wood. Um, but I... Nice what, cars, though. Yeah, what spurred it on is my, my good mates live in Wellington, and they, they've been just basically herning up between Auckland and Wellington and their Suzuki Swift Sport, um, and I've kind of just So been easy like, to drive. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, I might as well get one myself. So anyway, good times. <laughs> sport radio station, by the way. We are going to get back into the sport. Uh, quite a bit happened over the weekend. Mitch, you have a theory. So mm. there's a there's a little bit of news going around about the NRL All Stars match this weekend, and Rotorua. Finally, we were going to have these superstars playing in New Zealand in our backyard. Uh, Latrell Mitchell and Jack Whiten got in a scuffle over the weekend at yep. a bar. They were celebrating Whiten's thirtieth birthday. Yep. Uh, Obviously, a little bit of alcohol was involved uh, and they had a bit of a disagreement. They've both gone back into camp now and everything is A-OK. For the Māori All-Stars, uh, Nelson Asofa Solomona has pulled out uh, after a dog bit his hand and he's had to undergo surgery. That mm. was at the start of January, so I'm not sure. Did he know he wasn't going to play and it's only just coming out now? <laughs> is this match going to go ahead, Mitch? You have a conspiracy theory. I um I don't think it is, Kirst. I, Why? I, tell us tell us about this theory of yours. Well, for all these clubs to release their players, there needs to be some insurance in place. And and my understanding of most of these sports, um, hopefully I'm writing and assuming that the NRL is the same, that the insurance is run through the NRL and and with the dispute between the players' association and the NRL, um, my thinking is that that maybe the NRL might not cough up the money to ensure the players for the clubs. And, and if that doesn't happen, um, then those players aren't going to get released. And you've seen a, a flurry of players um, starting to pull out for wanting to focus on the season, which means that the clubs are, are pulling the strings and, and being like, well, you're not insured on, on your cash that you got at the club. Um, 
if you do go and get injured. Um, so it's all on you, mate. We don't have to pay you out. So you've seen the guys are on big money. They're the mm. guys who are pulling out. And, Which, and, and these guys are all the stars, so they're all, all on big the stars, money, aren't they? They're all on big monies, right? That's um, the problem. And, and the guys who are coming in, uh, uh, you know, your RCs and stuff like that, they're, they're younger, they're on probably on less money, just looking for some opportunity, and they're coming in and filling those slots. So I, I reckon it might even end up being a bargaining tool for, for the CPA potentially, um, you know, going into this negotiation with the NRL. Do you think we will see no game at all? Or do you think we're going to see a game oh. without the stars and just that next tier, as you say, the ones that want an opportunity, the ones that want to play in a fixture like this, will they be the ones that actually play? Jeez, you've got some big names still there, right? Nico Hines and the likes. So, oh, look, I... May as well big big calls. I'm a man of big calls, so um, I'll probably say it's might get binned. It might get binned off. Um, With and if six it stays to play, yeah. Well, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and if it if it doesn't, I think they'll be trying to find some guys who are on lower pay who are happy to take the risk. They might throw a little bit of extra cash at them, but knowing that they're not insured, and if they get injured, that's uh, not covered by their club and who their salary's not insured. Fixture? Who uh, pays these players for this fixture? I'd imagine it's. Um, uh, under the NRL, so and the NRL would yeah, get the money from yeah. the ticket sales. I would have thought so. I, I'm not. A, I, I don't know. So um, just, I'm just speculating on yeah. what's going on around the scenes. Flurry of big names, right? It's not. We don't see this happen often in the All Star Game. We don't see this happen often. People saying that they're not fit enough. Quotation marks. You know, they need to focus on their club. It's all the same kind of messaging, right? It's mm. all coming out. It's so. a real shame. It's a shame for Kiwi League lovers who have yep. been starved of rugby league yep. uh, for the last few years. That's the shame. Yep, it is a shame. And actually, um, while we're talking about the NRL, I do have that joint statement that's just come out um, from Latrell Mitchell um, and Jack Wyden uh, said. For legal reasons, we cannot comment on the charges that were before the courts at the moment. However, we want to express remorse for putting ourselves in the position to embarrass our clubs and the NRL over the weekend. We were there to celebrate Jack's 30th with family and friends. While everyone enjoyed a great night, we understand that our wrestle, as harmless as we believe it to be, was a poor decision and may have looked bad. We are sorry for this and know that we need to be better when in public. We remain friends and are looking forward to proudly representing our community at All Stars this weekend. So, the, yes, they are back in camp. Yeah. said so they're back in camp. But um, <laughs> Are you a Latrell fan? It's... I actually am. Me too. I, actually, I like the yeah, guy. I, actually, I, actually I like am. what he comes with. Yeah, I actually am. I am a big Latrell fan. Actually, he's, uh, he's. I think he's a great player. He just, for whatever reason, he just always finds himself trouble. In- <laughs> trouble follows him. <laughs> but it's this time of year. It's this time of year, right? You, mm, you come into this time news. just just before the trials start. <laughs> trials start next weekend. Every year on the hour, something comes out the weekend before the trials where someone's gone into a bar scuffle or something like this. It's, it's unbelievable. It's a wrestle. You must have seen teammates wrestling before and all's well and good afterwards. Oh, me and my brother used to host the best beer pong tournaments. And, and there was my, wrestling. Oh, yeah. So when me and my, uh, my mum and dad lived in Melbourne and left the, the house to us at home. And so we used to have these big beer pong tournaments, six tables, two, four inside, two outside. Um, and halftime entertainment in the beer pong tournament was UFC with me and my brother on the back lawn. Everyone used to get up on the roof and, and cheer us on. So yeah. You told us. That's yeah. a great story. Great yarns. Yeah, two five-minute rounds. So, yeah, great yarns. Yeah, no, no punching to the face but everything else is all on. Yeah, so I'm all about the wrestle when you go out for a party, but maybe not when you're an NRL superstar. I wasn't a star or anything like that at the time. But Are they not at a private bar or private venue? It's never private for these NRL that's boys. That's the eh? problem, isn't it? That's why it's There's so hard. Cameras well, and... that's why it's so hard to get them on to do an interview, right? Mm. Um, our job's made hard by doing that. Have you tried? 
I try all the time. Who have you tried? Oh, everyone. Give well, us actually, some names. I got Smitty Kieran Foran last year. Yes. That was my big get. He's um, great. Yeah, he was great. He was great. I'm on Latrell. Um, we trade messages. Yeah. Um, mainly about what, playing he, he golf. He just doesn't want to. Well, front I, I actually, no, I actually asked him the first time I've asked him was a little while ago, like about a month ago. I said, oh, would you come just talk some footy? Um, but, yeah, that's the first time he's blanked me. So any time they hear the media or anything like that or want to talk, they all just shut off. They just off. have such a bad... Yeah, even if you're talking to them or mates with them or, or met them and all that kind of stuff, yeah, as soon as you say, like, oh, I'd love to have a chat on the record. So it's even tough, like, even all the media in New Zealand as well, like, everyone's just getting shut off, right? It's and funny, we just want to talk it? to people. And, just and being talk to a people. former player, you understand their position. You're never going to, like, put them in jeopardy. Never. So you'd think that they're more likely to talk to you and Beaver. But if you guys can't even get them, we're no chance. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, if you well, can't get these athletes, there's there. no if way we're getting them. If you're if you're in charge of the media team, uh, any of these organisations, hit us up. We're not going to bite. Did you have nice media managers that tried to control you and tried to control the narrative? When you're playing, yeah, um, yeah, You'd they do. They do. They do, they do put you through. Yeah, but I'm pretty happy to like yeah. speak the. Yeah, I guess they just try and protect some people who they think um, may not say the right things. But at the end of the day, like um, an opinion is an opinion, right? Yeah. Like, and unless you're coming down and saying absolute outlandish stuff, there's no going. Not going to be any long term damage. Yeah. In my opinion, anyway. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. There's a question here for you from Ken. Hey, Kirsten, Mitch, the Razor news is brewing. Yes, it is, Ken. Yes, it is. That is Scott Razor Robinson, who we unveiled last week after listening to a clip of him and Joey Wheeler on Sky Sport, saying he was hoping Mm. that people would address the elephant in the room soon. It sounds like, so by February... Cute elephant, by the way. Huge elephant. Cute elephant. Cute. Which yeah. one? Razor? The one in the car with oh, the... It was cute, yeah. wasn't it? Cute yeah. and fluffy. Mm. Uh, the New Zealand Rugby Board is meeting the 28th of February, uh, and that is when they will decide, are we appointing a coach before the World Cup? Are we doing it post-Rugby World Cup? Uh, and by April, we should have a decision on who this coach will be. But it sounds like Razor is very much in the box seat at the moment. Uh, Mitch, can we beat Baz and England in the test? Your opinion, please. Well, it's, it's one of those ones that we'll probably ask Luke Wright a little bit later. Um, he's been with the Aces all season, seen the pitches that we've been putting out this year, and he knows the makeup of the side. So he'll be probably one of the best guys to talk to about whether the style of cricket that England's playing is going to be beneficial to them beating New Zealand in New Zealand. Two match test series, don't like it. Um, when we play England, we need to play at least three. So why are we only playing two? Is oh, it just a just, time thing? Is yeah, it's it... a time thing. Tours are too, you know, people don't want to come and play us for, for three-match test series. So, um, oh, look, I, I'm i hoping that the conditions going to be in our favour where it seems and swings. Jameson plays well in that first test. We get ahead, get one nil up early at the mount. But I don't know. They're, they're an aggressive side. going to that as well. Yeah, I am. The Going five all days. five all five days, but I don't well knowing Baz, it'll be over in three. But hopefully <laughs> it's good weather down there. Well I'm I'm gonna be playing some beach cricket uh the day before Jacob come down, down, down and really? join me down on the mount. Yep. Oh, well, I might, might have day. to. What's the beach cricket? Uh through S E N Z. So nice. one of our winners from one of the one of the shows. So, oh that's so cool. Yeah, so that'll be neat. Awesome. Yeah. Well, there you go. You won't see me in my cozies. I won't won't be in the old togs, that's for sure. Are you going to go to the test then after, <laughs> day yeah, one? the next day. We'll go day one. Nice. Yeah, so that'll be bloody awesome. Looking forward to it, actually. It's going to be an absolute cracker there, Ken. So, look, I'm hoping we beat them. Um, Two's up? Well, no, it won't be. It'll be, It'll be one apiece. One, yeah, I think it's going to be one apiece. 
That's, See, that's what I think. That's yeah. how it's a draw. So, which is, which is exactly yeah. why we don't want to play two test series. What do you think, Ken? And for everyone else listening, do you give? Uh, New Zealand a chance against England, or do you give England a chance against New Zealand? How do you see those two tests playing out? First one starts, is it the 18th? 15th. 15th of Feb, day one of the first test in the mount between New Zealand and England. Love to hear from you. Double eight, double three is the number to text or 0800 150 811. We'll be back right after this. This is The Run Home on SENZ, all thanks to Mick Delivery. Great to have you joining us today on the special edition of The Run Home. You've got us for four hours until 6pm today. Kirsty and Mitch McLennigan joining you. Uh, Mitch, Pebble Beach, the Pro-Am, happened over the weekend. That is, of course, when the superstar sporting talents team up with a professional just like the New Zealand Golf Open mm. and how they've got a pro-am tournament well Aaron Rodgers the NFL quarterback won it all he won the amateur portion playing with a 10 handicap yeah, he did he was outstanding yeah leading after the first couple of rounds that has come into question though his 10 handicap everyone's saying he's far better than a 10 <laughs> and he's like well, look I haven't played since sports, before eh? the, the NFL season started yeah, and he is all about just uh, just being the MVP being the star of the show so it wouldn't surprise me if he's fudged out a little bit but the, the real news was um, fans getting stuck into him yes. about potentially moving to which team Aaron hey I heard Devontae's looking for a neighbour bro a lot of people yelling different teams they want me to come to next year, um, which has been fun because uh, we got a little uh, inside bet going about which team's going to have the most fans, but uh, it's been fun. I was going to say that for my last question, but you're leading me right into it. Is there maybe like a favorite color, favorite city? that you might have on your mind for next season? I'm just going to say that the uh, predominant uh, team that we hear as we're walking is Raiders. A lot of a lot of Raider fans <laughs> are encouraging me. A lot of Devontae misses you comments. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So we're having some fun with it. Aaron Rodgers to the Raiders, Las Vegas. What do you reckon? Has it got a ring to it? Well, I'll tell you what, I saw De- uh, Derek Carr throw an intercept in the uh, All-Stars game just before in the tag ball segment. So uh, Aaron Rodgers sounds a lot better than Derek Carr at the moment. So might be a good move. Is he off contract or, or how does it work? Oh, he wants to, wants to go. He wants to go. So he's requesting. So Green Bay yeah. just pay him out? Well, he just they just move the money around. Whoever's got cap, Derek Carr goes, then... Yeah, I know he wants something stupid like sixty million or something like that. Yeah, crazy, but yeah, Las Vegas probably a spot really. Yeah, I'd say so. I Derek mean, Carr, no. maybe sounds like he might be going to the Jets. So yeah, this is a fun time of year uh, where where the quarterback merry-go-round goes around. It's exactly right, isn't it? It is the best time of the year. And a pro-am tournament at Pebble Beach doesn't sound like a bad way to spend your weekend, doesn't it? Would you play in any of those golfing events? I'd well, love to. That would awesome. be, be outstanding, best. wouldn't be it? would Yeah, Gareth Bale was actually, he's got one of the most beautiful swings I've ever seen. Um, Who so, else was there? Uh, Gareth Bale, Josh Allen. Um, you always get uh, Bill Murray. 
he's always entertaining, the actor. Yeah, he's always so there. So cool. Beckham and that have been there in the past. Uh, Justin Timberlake always Do they get appearance fees or are they going purely for oh, the enjoyment I'd imagine, factor? I'd imagine there'd be an appearance fee. There's appearance fees for the players yeah. uh, more often than not now, nowadays. So, uh, yeah, I'd imagine uh, he'll be getting something. You, would you want to play in the New Zealand Pro-Am? It'd be good fun, actually. Be a bit nervous. There you go. Put your Just hand up. Just try to take down Izzy, yeah. What's your handicap that you're playing on now, Mitch? Playing off an eight at playing the moment. Yeah, so I could be the so Aaron Rodgers. So you're better than Aaron Rodgers. You're better, Mitch. <laughs> He's playing on hard that courses. That is your claim. I play, I play nine hole, I've got a nine-hole membership around Pagaranga, so I don't think it kind of compares. <laughs> uh, Geordie Barrett, at the moment, playing off a one. Eesh. Okay. That's over the off season. Yeah. You know, when they get plenty of golf yeah, yeah. and they're playing every day or every that. second day. I see that. A one handicap professional rugby player. Didn't know that they had as much time on their hands, but apparently so. Clearly they Active do. recovery, they call it nowadays, I think. Active recovery. Or, or mental refreshing is, is the other word. It work for you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, love it. Yeah, yeah. Good That's game, the way to go. It? Yeah, perfect. Golf's great. It is a good game. Uh, well, that is the Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Merry-go-round, the circus. We will see where he ends up, if he ends up anywhere at all. We'll keep you posted on that news as it comes to hand. But when we come back on the run home, all thanks to Mick Delivery, we're catching up with Tony Wood, who's a specialist land-based fisherman, and he's got a competition coming up, the Moocher Hunters Catch and Release Comp. We'll tell you more about that right after this. SENZ is the home of the A-League on New Zealand Radio. And now, thanks to Oppo, New Zealand's A-League team has its very own show, Phoenix Nation. Join Ricardo Ball every Thursday from 3 p.m. throughout the season. The run home on SENZ, all thanks to Rotoflex by Blunston. Stability meets the freedom to move. Ken has asked Mitch to come up with his top 11 for the Black Caps for the first test. It could be anyone. It doesn't have to be someone that is in the squad. Ken, Mitch is going to deliver for you. Keep listening. Just before the top of the hour, he is going to name his dream 11 that the Black Caps select for the first test against England coming up in a week and a half half's time so hold the line in the meantime we're catching up with the legend Tony Wood who's a specialist land based fisherman he started Moocher Hunters Catch and Release Competition and we're so lucky to have him uh, joining us today on Waitangi Weekend. Tony thank you so much for your time. I suppose we'll start off nice and simple. What is Moocher Hunters? Hey guys, yeah thanks for having me Um, yes Moocher Hunters Moocher is the name classic Kiwi name for a giant snapper uh, so yeah, Moocher Hunters is uh, a group that I started back in 2011. Um, at the time, if you were to tell someone that you released a massive snapper, they would just look at you funny and laugh. Um, and uh, I, yeah, I, I kind of was rattling my brain as to how we can go about catching these big fish, but then still let them go and you know have a bit of a competition at the same time. Um, so that's kind of how it all started. Um, Beautiful. Yeah, and then ever since we've we've run a comp every year. Uh, it's all about releasing the big ones, um, not only snapper. Uh, it's all based on measuring the you know the length rather than the weight. Um, that way, you don't have to take them home and put them in the freezer and have that old school lawn shot. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, bloody you know, right. the, you know where the fish is grey and dead, and you're standing <laughs> in the back lawn, um, and then you kind of like, oh, what do I do with it now? Um, you can get a you know fresh picture or a video and let it go at the same time and look after it. Yeah, that's really um, important um, what you just touched on there, mate, looking after it. I guess I guess a lot of people there, fishing is a part of our Kiwi summer, right? 100%. Everyone, even if you're not a like an avid fisherman, like you always end up going on the boat with family or something like that or a friend. Um, mm. Why is it so important to release these big fish? Yeah, I mean, I get asked, uh, yeah, over the years there's been lots of comments about it. You know, I'm totally for taking a feeder snapper home uh, mm-hmm. we eat fish all the time um so you know we're, we're sort of mainly focusing on letting the, the bigger fish go um and the reason why well, the big snapper is so important is um it's the big snapper and and, and the crayfish that manage the kinna populations oh, yeah. um so these big kinna barons that we've got you know all around the inner gulf all over the shows um you know the kinna are taking over and they're eating all, all the kelp because it's only the larger snapper they can actually, um, they can actually, you know, open them and, and eat them. Um, so they, they play a really vital role in the in the ecosystem. Um, and then I guess just as as anglers and fishermen, the, the you know having more bigger fish in in the water can't be a bad thing. Um, so yeah, I, I just you know they're really important, and um, I just you know I don't see how you. You can't go wrong when you're, you're able to catch these fish and then still mm. let them go for others to catch and for mm. them to still do, play their role, you know. Does breeding come into it, Tony? Um, is there How long does it take a snapper to like get to a breeding age? Yeah, I think it um, depends on where they uh, where they are. I think um, there's different growth rates on the West Coast and the East Coast. Um, but there's stats that came out recently about, um, uh, I think, one... I think they talked about a, some, something like a 70 centimetre snapper produces the same amount of eggs as something like 36, um, 35 centimetre snapper. Oh, wow. That's uh, massive. Big yeah, difference. So, Big difference. So they're definitely, yeah, prolific breeders. They're passing on the better genes. You know, if they can get to that sort of size, they're obviously got good genes, you know. Um, so, yeah, breeding is a big part of it as well. You obviously started this group in 2011, Tony, but it sounds like uh, you've been uh, in and around the ocean for a lot longer. Tell us your backstory and where did you learn all of this information? Yeah, I mean, I've fished my whole life. Mm. My family's originally from South Africa and we were always shore-based fishermen back there off the beach. Um, And then when we uh, moved to New Zealand in 97, we just kind of, carry on from there um, I've always just been passionate about the water I've always been really lucky in that I've, I've we've always lived you know two minutes drive from from the coast um, so it's just always been in my backyard and any chance I got outside of school and sport I was you know at the water yeah, and, um, and Tony, um, you say land-based. Um, you predominantly fish off the rocks around Waiheke. Is is that right? What's what's the difference? Main difference between rock fishing and and, and getting out on the boat? Um, yeah, not not just Waiheke. Fishing around Waiheke is rubbish. It's uh, <laughs> no, it's, uh, anywhere in the in a Gulf. I, I just kind of yeah venture around the various islands and things. Mm. Um, oh, I just think for me. Um, having always been a rock fisherman, it's just kind of where my heart's at. But um, I, I mean, I do own a boat, but I just use it to get to better rock spots. Um, I just like the rocks because you kind of see everything unfold in front of you. 
um, and you've got a bit more freedom to move. Um, and it's, it's definitely more of a challenge. You know, when you hook a better fish off the rocks, it's totally different um, playing it than off the boat. You know, off, off the boat, you've got the luxury of following the fish and getting over the top of it and, and sort of manoeuvring around. But the rocks, you kind of, you know, you really got to kind of stand and stand and uh, heave if you, you know, you've got to work your angles a bit better. And it's, yes, just more challenging. Have you ever had any rocky encounters where you've uh, made it into the water? And, and, and what's your favourite catch? Oh, so many, so many blunt, you know, um, <laughs> bloopers. I got, um, a blooper reel. I could go on, you know, falling over, slipping over. Um, yeah. Um, favourite catch? I, um, oh, just this weekend I caught uh, my biggest kingfish so far. Um, off the rocks? And, yeah, off the rocks. And that was just solo. So that must have been no a fight. Need, yeah, no one needed to help me. So um, <laughs> I was screaming and hollering on my own. Bloody um, hell. Yeah, and it was um, oh, it was a hell of a fight. And um, but always the best thing for me, the the biggest buzz out of the whole experience is always letting the like having yeah. let the fish go hmm. and seeing it kind of power off all um, all healthy and in good condition. So this this particular fish, it was such a fight that um, by the time I got it in. It, it didn't have a hell of a lot of energy left, so I managed to kind of revive it and let it go. And it hadn't thrashed around on the rocks at all and kind of scuffed itself up. So, um, but yeah, just, I mean, any any big fish off the rocks is always a big buzz. Well, I see you've been starting to um, actually put tags in them and tag and release them as well. Um, uh, for me, not being a big fisherman, um, I'd love to know what that, that's about. How are you tracking them? Um, what's the purpose of tagging them? Yeah, it's, it's part of uh, the Tyndall Research Program, uh, which has been running for quite some time now. Mm. And they've got a really comprehensive system of sort of tracking these fish that are, that are released. Um, and basically, you, you order a set of tags. It comes with this kind of kit that, that you're all set up with. And then um, whenever you tag and release a fish, you, you email through a bit of information about it, um, the length, where, you know, Roughly where it was caught, hmm. time of day, and that sort of stuff, and then, and then um, if it gets recaptured, hopefully that next angler sends the information through, and then they they um, send you back. They give you a big kind of report on where it's been, how much it's grown, um, and some of the recaptures that I've had have been so interesting. You know, like catching a snapper in you know in really shallow water close to home, and then it's recaptured, you know, quite a way up north or um, over in the Coromandel. Um, it's just really, and then others kind of just really stay put too. You know, there's been some that have been recaptured within 100 metres of where I'd previously caught it. Jeez, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Nice little program they're putting together as well. Um, get that data, that's bloody great. Um, I guess I want to touch on that competition because you have you are building on the catch and release side of things, which I think is bloody awesome, mate. That's that's what fishing's about. It's a sport and, and catch what you can take home for a feed. Um, but when are you kicking off again, mate? It's uh, it's growing year by year. How many participants have you had the last couple of years? Uh, yeah, so every, well, every year since 2011, I just... I've, I've always kept it quite small, so I've always just ordered 100 mats, 100 moocher mats, and, um, and then they kind of they get scooped up pretty quick. Um, so you've got to be a part of the kind of the Instagram group. It's all done through our Facebook page, um, and yeah, they they get released around this year, probably be early April, 
and then the season goes for the whole year and we run all these sort of smaller sub comps and try and mix it up and keep it fun um but yeah usually around kind of march april is when it when it starts very good well tony thank you so much for your time thank you for coming on and talking us to uh, about your true passion uh, and for anyone that wants to join in and wants more information they can go and jump on your social channels on instagram and facebook the moocha hunters thank you so much tony appreciate it oh, awesome thanks for having me great to have you on tony wood uh, joining us there uh the founder of the Moocha Hunters Catch and Release Competition. As you've just heard, if you want to know more, jump on Instagram or Facebook and you will be able to see all the details. This is The Run Home on SCNZ on Monday the 6th of February. Hope you're having a fantastic Waitangi weekend. Kirsten Mitch here. Now, we're talking cricket because Ken said uh, we can definitely beat Baz. The Black Caps can beat England if we've got the right players. So, Mitch, what is your top 11 for the first test? Have you got my mate Glenn in there? This is from Ken. So, Mitch is going to deliver. Mitch is going to deliver his starting 11. Yep, I am. Um when it comes down to New Zealand conditions, um, I think Glenn is in a toss-up with Michael Bracewell. I think Bracewell's probably been a bit of bowling form. Um, so I'll go through my list. Tom Latham, Conway at the top. Kane Williamson at three. Number four, Henry Nichols has made way for Will Young, who I think's an outstanding talent, 30 years of age. I think he's ripe and ready to take that number four spot. I think Daryl Mitchell is... Probably deserve it of another couple of chances. He's scored his runs at six or seven. They've been putting him up to five. I still want to see if he can bat that high. Otherwise, he comes back into that all-rounder category. So he's at five. Blundell at six. So either Michael Bracewell or Glenn Phillips at seven. Okay, so that's your holding spinner. If we're going to play an aggressive style of cricket and buy some time, Glenn Phillips is in. If we want to take the game long, Michael Bracewell's in. Okay, so that comes down to your coach, Gary Stead. He's going to go for Michael Bracewell, not Glenn Phillips. Sorry to hear that. But I would go for Glenn Phillips. Number eight, I've got a surprise in Doug Bracewell. I think he's done enough to come back into that side as that seeming all-rounder, particularly in New Zealand conditions, can take that new ball if needed. Jameson at nine, Southie at ten, and I'm going to go, because I've got Bracewell there, and he's very similar to Matt Henry, I'm going to go Lockie Ferguson at 11, the guy to break everything up. There you go. That is Mitch's 11. Do you agree or disagree? Send through your own double eight double three on the Temper and Bed Post text line or give us a call. Have a conversation with Mitch. Talk it through. 0800 150 811 on the Makita New Zealand phone line. We've got a $250 uh, Makita New Zealand voucher to give away every week as well just by calling up the run home. That's a side that can beat England. That's Mitch's 11. His starting 11. What do you think? A few shocks, a few surprises in there. Do you agree with him? Or would you like to name your own starting 11? Send it through and we'll read it right after this. Well, Australia have a new cult hero. He's 19 years old. He goes by the name of Cooper Connolly. He smashed an unbeaten 25 and a nail-biting five-wicket win for the Perth Scorchers over the Brisbane Heat, retaining the Big Bash League title over the weekend. If you missed it, he's everything you need to know. Connolly had one innings in the tournament. 
Can he be the hero? I walked out to Hobo and said, we can do this, mate. We can we can get us over the line. And, yeah, I guess Hobo said to me, he's played in this now for a couple of years, he said, just keep a strong base. If it's there, it's there. Hit it for six. If it's not there, hit it hard along the ground. And luckily enough, for the one ball that I hit for six over mid-wicket, I was sort of set up for a base, baseball hit. And luckily enough, it came out of the middle. Oh, We wanted to get Cooper into the tournament. We knew he was going to play a role if we went deep in this tournament. So it worked out really nicely, but still for a 19-year-old to have the composure and ability to play the innings he just did was amazing. It's a full toss. It's big from Hobson. It's really big from Hobson. We've known the power that Hobbo's got. It was just about the opportunity to be able to display it. And uh, he was probably down in the dumps a fair bit after he ran OT out. But um, to then recompose himself and then hit the winning runs, uh, I think that'll be something he'll remember for a long time. Smashed away. The Scorch is at home. It's perfect for Perth. The Scorchers win the big bash yet again in one of the best finals we've ever seen. And who was there at Optus Stadium? Jordan McArdle, sports journalist for the Western Australia. We're so lucky to have him joining us on the program live. Jordan, thank you so much for your time. Was that the best final you have ever seen? Good afternoon, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was it was unbelievable. It had so many twists and turns. I've got to be honest. I think um, myself and and the rest of the fifty three thousand eight hundred and eighty six people at Optus Stadium thought the uh, the game was probably dead and buried when Ashton Turner. Got run out there. It was a, a horror mix-up with Nick Hobson. And then up comes young Cooper Connolly, 19 years old. So he's barely old enough to um, to be able to drink a beer. But I don't think he's <laughs> ever going to pay for one again in his life in Perth. That was a remarkable knock from him and a remarkable partnership with Nick Hobson, the, the teenager and the full-time accountant. It's the, it's the stuff of legends and something that uh, the whole crowd and probably the whole of WA will uh, will never forget. <laughs> You're right, the full-time accountant and the teenager, uh, that uh, sounds like a, the title sounds of a like very a good book. A yeah. script for a movie. <laughs> and it was. like some script. <laughs> it was indeed. The script um, got even better because I, I didn't know, but um, Cooper Connolly was, I've seen a picture of him with AJ Ty um, when he was just a fan not too long ago. And next thing you see a picture of him and, and AJ Ty holding up that cup together. Isn't that just an, a remarkable story and, and what the Big Bash has been all about, getting young cricketers into this game. Oh, absolutely, yeah. They're both um, both products of Scarborough Cricket Club, so from the same club as you know Marcus Stoinis and mm. Justin Langer, Marcus Harris, uh, and probably a few others that I've, I've forgot to mention, but um, yeah, it's um, an amazing photo, that one, isn't it? I think he was only 12 years old then, and uh, AJ, AJ Ty has been a, a long mentor of his, and now I think AJ Ty is... Um, is probably idolising Cooper Connolly up on Saturday <laughs> night. He's got the um, got the peroxide blonde do, and um, yeah, I, I spoke to him yesterday, AJ, and he said, "Oh yeah, I just want to be like Coop now." So um, I think there might be a, a, a few Cooper Connolly do's <laughs> rocking around Perth at the moment. He's become the new Prince of Perth and the the new unofficial Mayor of Perth. It is. Uh, yeah, I think it's life-changing stuff for, for Cooper Connolly. His, his life is certainly never going to be the same after Saturday night. Well, he's got it all, doesn't he? He's obviously uh, a top cricketer. He's got the personality and the long, sweeping blonde locks, as you mentioned. Where did this kid come from? Did you see it coming this season that he was going to be the hero in the final? Oh, he's, he's one of those ones. He's been been around for, for a little bit. He's um, He was an Australian under-19s captain and 
he actually made a a half century or I think it was sixty odd off about fifty odd balls for for Australian under nineteen as a sixteen year old. So I think he was only the the second player to do it that young alongside Sean Marsh, who's mm. another one of his idols and a player that he's been likened to a bit over here. They they're both that that classy kind of left handed that, but he, he looked a bit more like Adam Gilchrist, I reckon, on Saturday night, some of the shots he was playing. So, um, yeah, he's, he doesn't lack confidence, Cooper. I've interviewed him a, a few times, and he just sort of backs himself. So if, if anyone around 19 could do it, it it's, it's probably him. He's got that, that confidence and that self-belief, and it's probably just that, that self-belief that guys like Ashton Turner, Andrew Ty, and, and those sort of older guys around the group instill in him as well. Ashton Turner is probably the the most relaxed captain I've, I've ever seen. It doesn't matter what sort of situation he goes in. He just um, he just manages to to peel off the runs. And you know, even even when he was uh, when he was run out there in that that horror mix up, he, he said to Nick Hobson and Cooper Connolly, "You guys have got this." So I just love the way that um, even in situations where most of the stadium thought that the game was dead and buried, the Scorchers still thought they were. They were every chance to win. I mean, 39 off the last 19 balls with, with two players who had, um, yeah, Cooper Conley had faced 11 balls in the tournament in the lead-up. Fourth game of, of Big Bash. Hobson called himself a professional DNB. He'd been, been batting that um, that infrequently throughout the tournament. So, um, yeah, it's, it's amazing stuff. To think that only, um, only four players in that 11 had won a title before um yeah only four played in last year's title so um it just shows the remarkable depth in in among the Perth Scorchers and WA cricket in general mm. yeah i'm going to touch on that just quickly because um adam voges the, the the coach of the Perth Scorchers he had the opportunity to play Ash, Ash and Agar another game um leading into those final series but he chose to put Connolly up there how big a call was that and obviously do you think that was the turning point of having having the ability to win that game oh spot on i think it was i think it was massive i, I mentioned the 11 balls he faced it was actually in that game so he he hit an unbeaten 20 off 11 balls against the Renegades that mm. game and and showed a glimpse of what he can do. He hit a, he hit a few boundaries and just had that real uh, fearless kind of approach about him. It was a, a different different game, I guess. There wasn't as much on the line, and it was probably um, I, I guess some junk time runs at the end when they were um, you know, probably already heading towards that 200 plus score. So it's totally different situation. But I think the fact that he you know got a few out of the middle there in front of a big crowd and. You know, on um, you know a, a relatively big stage, probably gave him that extra confidence that he that he could get it done if um, if if a situation like this arose. And um, I, I do like that from from Adam Voges and the Scorchers selection team. They mm. could have easily done that. Um, you know, the, the easier option and given a- Ashton Agar an extra game while he was available. They thought they'd give that that extra time into into Cooper just in case it was required in a final. And you know, it turns out couple of weeks later it certainly was so um, I think Adam Voges probably deserves a, a bit more praise than, than mm. what he gets he's he's been the probably the only constant throughout this whole Scorchers um, uh, well throughout the 12 years of the, the Big Bash he, he won the first three titles as a as a captain and as a player and then the last two as a coach so yeah he's he's transitioned from player to coach probably wasn't always smooth sailing. They finished last in his first year as coach, and then uh, I think they missed finals again. I think they finished sixth in his in his second year. But but since then, it's been 
yeah, three three grand finals and and two titles. So yeah, a remarkable effort from him and uh, and the coach, Scorchers coaching staff in general. Yeah, he was a great player in his time as well. It takes a good bowler to get him out. Um, I on on that mate, a great bowler is uh, Jason Berendorf. Uh, that's his fourth title for the Scorchers, mate. Um, he's been sensational, even with. With all those injury breaks that he has, he just seems to come back, and when he's fit, he's one of the best in the game. Do you see him um, in contention for this this White Ball series in India, and and are you hopeful as well that the skipper Ashton Agar's there as well? Oh, I hope so. I, I, I hope quite a few of the scorches get a look in. I think um, I think Ashton Turner should be um, in in real contention there. He uh, he's just remarkably cool under pressure. He hit four half centuries in this tournament and two in both finals. So he's, he's hit um, consecutive half centuries in his last three finals. So well, There's a few people uh, around yeah. the traps asking for him to be the next captain of um, the Australian T20 side. I, I like that. I'm, I'm all for that, especially with Aaron Finch. We're not really sure um, how much longer he's got left on the mm. on the international circuit. He, uh, you know, he, He's well spoken about you know, he's going to make a, a call relatively soon on whether he keeps going as Australia's T20 skipper and just internationally in general. So I think um, I think they could do a lot worse than, than bringing someone like Ashton Turner in as captain. He's, um, you know, he, he's got the performances on the board, both as a, a middle-order batter and, and mm. as a skipper, which are two things that Australia probably need. They had a really disappointing T20 World Cup campaign and yeah, I think um, he's sort of fallen off the radar a bit, probably pretty unfairly. I think, think his international record probably um, isn't as good as, as, as what it could be. But, yeah, he's, he's certainly stacked up the performances in the in the Big Bash and in the March One Day Cup over a, a very, very long time. So, yeah, there's probably um, probably quite a few scorches that should be on the radar. Jason Berendorf, as you mentioned, he's just... Uh, just so reliable in that uh, at power play, isn't he? Mm. I think that that final was probably one of the only games in the whole tournament that he didn't actually take a wicket during the power play. He's just so reliable in that that qualifier final last Saturday. I don't think, I've, I've, other than the final, I don't think I've heard a bigger roar at Optus Stadium for where he got Josh Philippi fourth ball that match. That was <laughs> unbelievable. So yeah, he's he's a remarkable player, and um, yeah, just gets the job done so often in those early overs for the Scorchers. Now, Jordan, uh, there's many famous or infamous Australian uh, sporting celebration stories. Were there any it's better than Lego moments that you've heard from over the weekend? How did this side celebrate? Oh, I know two of them. As I mentioned, Andrew Tyre's got a horrendous haircut out of it. He actually, <laughs> so himself, Stephen Eskenazi and Josh Inglis apparently had a pact mid-season that, um, yeah, if they were to win the title, they were all going to go the... Uh, go the peroxide look apparently Josh Inglis bailed out of it on on Saturday night I think he did a bit of a uh, bit of a smoke bomb and left the celebrations early probably just so he didn't have a, a horrendous haircut like the other two so um I know they kicked on on Sunday so I'm not sure whether uh, whether Josh Inglis was about and whether they managed to, to tie him down and and make sure he lived up to his end of the pack but um, uh, yeah, apparently Mitch Marsh was the uh, the ringleader of the celebrations and, and organised it all. Shock. So um, <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> yeah, if the, if the Bison's doing that, it's um, yeah, it's probably um, a cause for a bit of concern, I reckon. Would you go the full peroxide blonde, Mitch? No chance. <laughs> <laughs> Mind you, get a BBL title. Yeah, you probably would. <laughs> so oh, just on that, on that, um, Jordan. 
Do you do you actually see this side being able to stay together? They've been such a strong unit for such a long period of time, but surely a few of these guys are, have got to get paid uh, at, at some point in time, and the and the band needs to break up. It's an interesting one. I think these players just love playing for the Scorchers so much, and and love the culture and the success here. I think they're mm. almost willing to to cop that little bit of a pay cut just to just to stay together. It feels like they they really play for the Scorchers brand and the fans and each other that, um, it, it, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they do keep the majority of the squad together. Speaking with, with Cade Harvey, who um, who's in charge of the, the list management at the Scorchers, and, yeah, he, he seems to think maybe two or three might not come back. In, in, well, mm. Cam Green's an interesting one because they, they will probably wait until the last minute to re-sign him because of his international availability. Yeah. He's obviously a a three-format player for Australia now, so he's probably one that'll um, not be re-signed until um, the last minute, depending on his availability. But, yeah, Kate Harvey seems to think maybe two or three others are, are sort of yet to be locked in, which is a, yeah, it's a, it's a scary thought for the rest of the competition, isn't it? The guys like Berendorf and, and Ty and um, obviously Cooper Connolly is, uh, is re-signed. I'm not sure if they... They put a contract in front of him during the celebrations, or uh, be smart too. <laughs> I think I think they actually got him locked in before the final, so probably um, saved them a bit of money there. Oh, beautiful! But, well um, played, well played. Yeah. Uh, and, and just last last one before we let you go. Thank you very much for your time as well. But um, BBL as a whole, do you think um, them reducing the amount of games next year is going to bring that fan base back? I know we had a fantastic showing at Optus for the final. The crowd was amazing. But generally across the tournament, it was lacking just a bit, wasn't it? It felt like once the Australian guys came back, it, it really gave the tournament a lift. Obviously, Steve Smith's form was um, mm. was unbelievable. It was awesome to see him back in, in Magenta, David Warner. Obviously, he didn't reach the heights that he probably wanted to, but it was it was great to see him back in the competition. I thought he was excellent when he was mic'd up and that sort of thing. Um, good to see Marnus and and it wasn't Kawaja, um, Renshaw as well playing mm. for the Heat. So I, I feel like um, they just need to try and make sure that these guys are um, yeah back playing big bash as much as they can. I, I feel like that really gave the tournament a, a, a real lift in the in the back end and, and ma- like I guess made it that that extra bit of relevance for not only the crowds there but on, on television around Australia and around the world. I feel like it gave it that real boost. So hopefully they can figure something out. Obviously it was probably a, a bit of a perfect storm this year with that South Africa ODI series being cancelled and obviously all those players that were invo- going to be involved there being available in the back half. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting one to see how much those sort of superstar Australian players can play. And, yeah, there's so many variables at the moment with the SAT20 going really well and obviously the UAE T20 tournament kicking off this year for the first time as well. So um, I guess keeping these superstars for as many games as possible is going to be so important going forward. Very good. Well, we're so lucky to be able to have had you on the program, Jordan, and you're lucky that you were there to witness a very special night at Optus Stadium for everyone in Western Australia. Uh, Congratulations, because you've been a big part of it as well, and thank you for your time on the show.
Thanks for having me, guys. Anytime. Thank you so much. Jordan McArdle joining us there, a sports journalist at the Western Australia uh, newspaper to talk all things Big Bash. And it finished with a big bang, didn't it, Mitch? Yeah, huge. Um, crazy what, game. Yeah, great, Literally great a Hollywood finish. script. Great finish, eh? Absolutely great finish. And like you said, it's, it's probably changed Connor Connolly. Oh, sorry, Cooper Connolly's uh, love life. Love that story. Yeah. Love that kid. So that'll be crazy. Um, that'll He's be, destined for big things. Well, if, you know, it's going to bring a, a weight of expectation. Yeah. Um, the, to, the a yeah to a 19-year-old. To a 19-year-old. And batting in one of the most difficult spots in the order, down six and seven. Like, you're either you're either all or nothing. You're either out for three off six or eight <laughs> balls or, or you're that hero like he was the other night so in terms of T20 batting it's got the biggest swings in the order so if he's going to stay down there um, he's going to have to have good people around him um, to be able to deal with those highs and lows but geez um, he'll be high for for a very long time now and great to see that he's been secured but uh, yeah I I thought it was great exactly what he touched on there at the end um, with the Australian players being available for yes. for the uh, majority of the tournament. Will that continue uh, if you yeah. look ahead? I mean, he mentioned the South African T20 competition, the UAE mm. T20 competition. These, these as you know, because you've played in so many of them, all yep. these T20 leagues around the world and even more popping up, will Australia continue to get these premier players? Mm. And, and what is like the best T20 league in the world? The IPL sits at the top yep. and then... What's the order after that? Oh, that's what they're fighting for now. It's um, it's a really if you're into your cricket and you're interested in the politics of the world game, it's really fascinating to watch the back play. I think, I think these South African tournaments and and the UAE at the same time are really trying to steal the talent away from the big bash. They got the money, so it's so it's not the second biggest comp in the world. Um, they want to. I I my inkling or what I believe is I think the IPL teams are going to try and buy, um, the big bash. Wow, which would be amazing for Australian cricket. Well. I think they're trying to devalue the brand now by taking away all the big overseas players um, and paying them more in these other comps. So it wouldn't uh, be good? Buy, if... it, buy it at a cheaper price um, and off Aussie because otherwise they'll never get control of it. Um, they need to kind of tank the comp for, for them to have the ability to come in and privatise it. That's my so opinion. So it's not a good thing? Uh, it, be a good I th- thing. it could be a good thing for global cricket because these guys have got big money and they want to pump money into the globalisation of the game. Um, international cricket might struggle. International T20s might no longer exist. Yeah. And in, in my opinion, all your T20 stuff might be franchise unless you have your T20 World Cup, like your football scenario. Would that um, be the end of the world? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. It's just a, yeah. a change, isn't it? Yeah. That people would get used to. People get used to it. I think they would. And yeah. if you had that World Cup every three or four years, then it'd be still. bloody exciting. It'd be Shoot. bloody exciting. Yeah, it Shoot, would be. Yeah. Well, very interesting uh, that chat was with Jordan. There's plenty more coming up on the program as well. So coming up on the Macca's menu, thanks to Mick Delivery. Uh, we're going to talk uh, more cricket a little bit after this. And then we've got Ethan Athiba, Leinster legend, coming on to talk about the Six Nations, our Six Nations watch as we build up to the Rugby World Cup later this year. After four o'clock, Luke Wright, who is the current assistant coach with the Auckland and England's selector is coming on. It's going to be great to be able to pick his brain ahead of the two test series between the Black Caps and England. Scotty Stevenson Sumo, uh, the wonderful Sparks sport commentator, is going to talk the Super Smash with us. The final is coming up in six days' time for both the men's and women's. After five, Andrew Mulligan, the voice of basketball in New Zealand, is talking breakers because they have secured home court advantage for the semi-finals in the NBL at his time. 
time to celebrate. Brevin Galloway, he is with Clemson University Basketball in the NCAA, an absolute star over in the US, his final year of college. So we'll see uh, where the next few years may take him, maybe even across to our shores as well. He's one for you to watch. Plus, drive to survive. We'll throw it in there as well for a $50 TAB bonus bet voucher. That is the Macca's menu. Thanks to Mick Delivery, delivering your Macca's favourites straight to your door. Mitch... Mitch's millions on Friday. How did it go? <laughs> we struggled. How many? Well, we actually we had. Um, How no, many from four? I think we got none. What were your What were your four tips? Am I right in saying that? I think Jacob, but we had Michael Pickens to win the um, the one NZ soup. He didn't uh, win. Stock, he didn't win. Bugger. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, we had Berendorf and Andrew Ty to take two wickets each as a power play option. Berendorf took two. AJ Ty took one. So, so that, close. Yeah, that was so close. Um, we went Arsenal. Arsenal was one of our picks to win away at Everton. They didn't. They got a donut. <laughs> so, and so, so did you. <laughs> yeah. So, and what was our last one? Our last was one. Was it a listener one? The last one? The last, yeah, that was the Copy Michael that. It was copy, copy that, that from Greg O'Connor. Three. Oh, yes. Yeah, copy that oh, to finish two. top two. And didn't. yeah, didn't. No. So, I th- for some reason, I was looking at the results. I didn't get to watch the race. And we'll do a bit of research on this. It looked like it'd been subbed or copy something that. like that. So, I don't know how that works. But yeah. Interesting. There you so, go. So, yeah, very, very poor. And, Look, uh, uh, no worse than what Beep does uh, uh, on a well, weekly uh, Chris, basis. Because so. our listener actually was pretty happy with all the picks, and to be honest, so was I, but I guess that's, uh, that's How gambling. How much were you set to, to win? Uh, to 2,100. Blimmin' heck. Yeah. And they, they were no all pretty, they were stoked. Yeah, they all were bad, actually. Yeah. Oh. Conservative Kim with the Arsenal pick let us down again, so she's <laughs> out. She's out. Well, you'll have to have another attempt at winning Mitch's Millions for our wonderful listeners. We'll be back right after this on the run home. All thanks to Mick Delivery. Well, we witnessed some shocks and surprises after the first round of Six Nations action over the weekend. We're keeping a keen eye on it as we will cross over with a couple of these Six Nations sides at the Rugby World Cup later on this year. To talk all about it, we've got Leinster legend Issa Nathiwa coming up. But first, this was... The start of all shocks, Scotland upsetting England and retaining the Calcutta Cup. Ben White to two Piloto. This should be a try for Jones. Shot talks for holidays of conversions. And off this time. Go Scotland. Good work with two hands of weather. This is astonishing. Here's Ellis Gage. Stewart. Chance on the outside. Lewis Loveland of Millens. Eason Athiwa, as someone that has played uh, and lived over in the UK for many, many years, how entertained were you after watching Scotland beat England? Oh man, I uh, jumped straight into it, Chris. It was (laughs) damn awesome, to be honest. any win at Twickenham is pretty special, but uh, for the Six Nations to go as it did like that, it was it was phenomenal. That'll go down as a classic in the Scotland fans for, for a long time to come. That was a crazy uh, first round of Six Nations. It was so entertaining to watch uh, on this side of the world. And Dwayne van der Merwe's being compared to John Olomu in Rugby 08. What did you make of his game? Man, it was it was a pretty phenomenal solo solo try. Um, uh, it was, you know, yeah, for 50 out to score the way he did and to beat those sort of five or six defenders, it was a phenomenal try. But he had an all-round very good game. And for him to cap it off in the second half with another and go in for a double, it was it was pretty phenomenal. And, and he's a big lad. He's, I think he's about a metre 93, solid guy. Um, he's had a sterling season already, but 
you know, a try like that. You always want to win that game if you score a try like that because it'll be remembered forever. <laughs> it will be, you're right. Um, Issa, um, another one of those big calls, Townsend during the week was uh, copying a lot of questions about um, bringing Hugh Jones back into the side, pairing up Tupelotu in the centres there. He was amazing. Yeah, I mean, the, the combo, the Hua-Pelotu combo. Uh, what a fantastic call to, to reunite those guys together. Yeah, it was a phenomenal call. And and just the like the subtle skills both of them have and the little touches in behind with the grubber and their sort of eyes up rugby. Like mm. that that whole script was was Scotland to a T under Gregor Townsend. He's always wanted them to play an open, flowing brand of rugby and the forwards delivered most first and foremost and it sort of gave the, the backs the capability to sort of open up and play and you know, they've got a master at 10 that can just sort of orchestrate everything. Mm. And, but that, that, that midfield pairing, was, it was phenomenal. Isa, um, there's a bit of a meme going around the NFL at the moment. It's um, that uh, when teams don't go to the script that the NFL is written to, which is which is a big thing saying that that's all, uh, it's all rigged. Um, look, I, I think uh, the English players obviously didn't get the script, the Yeti Jones script that the Fishheads at England Rugby Board would have, would have been hoping for. Yeah, that, that, they're a rebuilding team, uh, no matter which way you look at it. And, you know, for that to happen at Twickenham um, uh, is huge, especially, you know, so so close to World Cup coming up. Um, yeah, it didn't go to script at all. Um, uh, you know, Marcus Smith, pretty big game for him, really, um, in, in what's a huge 12 months for him. Mm. So... Yeah, it was it was phenomenal. Great, a great day to be a Scotland fan um, at Twickenham for sure. What what did we learn about these two sides heading into the Rugby World Cup? How good is Scotland, and where are England at? Are they going to be competitive Rugby World Cup time? Oh, I think you know the the evolution of that Scotland team. They're they're quite a way ahead of the English side if yeah. you look at a team that's rebuilding. Um, they're their pairings, um, a lot of Glasgow pairings and the like, and a, a lot of partnerships that are already formed in that Scotland team. Um, th- they performed, though. You know, I, uh, they performed to a tee and, and delivered. And that is Gregor Townsend-style rugby. He, um, you know, he does like to throw it around. And when it clicks uh, with Finn Russell there, it, it really does click. Um, you know, it's just about them backing it up, you know. Um, I think that's the most important thing that they want to try and do. Well, let's talk about Ireland uh, getting one over Wales. Not a happy return for Warren Gatlin, but probably as expected. How good is this Irish side? Can they be beaten this year? Oh, look, like they uh, they they went into that game sort of number one in the world, and rightly so. Yeah. And, you know, no matter what has happened with Wales in the off-season with Peebac leaving and, and uh, Warren coming in... Um, they were already ahead of the game, and and those guys really stepped up. You look at, you know, Jamo Jamison Gibson Park goes yeah. down before kickoff. Connor Murray steps in, and it was flawless. It's mm-hmm. probably the best game I've seen from him in a long time. And you know, you had Dan Sheehan up front, James Ryan, Josh Van der Fleer. You know, all these guys taking a lot of pressure off Johnny Sexton at ten, who was just directing them all around the mm-hmm. field. But when everyone else steps up that they played their game to a tee and they had blown them out of the park in the first 20 minutes. Um, when you have a win like this, there's a lot of coaches out there who actually like to, to try and pick apart the weaknesses in a side's performance. Um, did you see any from, from your point of view uh, watching that game? Oh, look, they were, that was a complete performance, really. Um, you know, some, some coaches will pull it apart and say, you know, they took their foot off the throttle in the second half, but the reality is probably Wales stepped up and probably play to their potential in the second half to keep it seven apiece. But um, that's what a good Irish team can do. And 
when Johnny's on his game and the forwards are on the game and everyone's on their game, they just they just play their part and yeah, they're going to be a hard team to beat. You know, the 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 French, you know, will get better as each week goes on. But um, you know, James Lowe, uh, Hugo mm-hmm. Keane, and all these guys are just just play their part in a, in a team that really knows how to play. So it's um, you know pretty impressive in the in the first forty minutes of that match. I don't want to put the jinx on Asa, but this Irish team, it's not peaking too early, is it? <laughs> they, that's I think has been the talking point since before the All Blacks tour kids. They, uh, they, 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 they planned for this and they knew what was coming. Yeah. Um, and you know, for you know, Jamo's been the the heartbeat and the tempo setter of that team. And for him to unfortunately get injured and Connor Murray to step in, that was a positive sign. Mm. So even when he does come back into the mix, um, you know, no doubt that they'll try and go up a level. Um, they weren't a hundred percent clean on defence, um, but they really covered each other, um, which was pr- pretty impressive as well. So you know, they're just they're just worried about you know, getting better each week. And I think that's what this coaching group has done. And, and they've, they've earned the right to be sort of number one in the world, in my eyes. Absolutely. This Six Nations competition has to be the best comp in the world because it keeps on giving. Next up, Ireland will face uh, the ultimate test when they take on France, of course. But let's let's talk about France. They scraped home against Italy. No one would have probably picked a scoreline quite as close as what we got, 29-24. Was that just a case of, of uh, first match rust? Or can you see Italy actually upsetting some teams in this year's Six Nations? Oh, well, you've got to... You know, whether they'll get a win or not is always the big question. Yeah. But, you know, they did beat Wales and they did beat Aussie at coming off the back of the end of last season. Yeah. So they were going into that game on a high, um, massively. And, you know, they they would have ridden into that and that's how the Italian teams do it. Um, you know, the French... They're pretty phenomenal when they want to be, you know. And when they want to play, they can turn it on. Sometimes they can just play to do enough. Um, yeah. and, and I sort of felt like they were maybe just doing enough to keep their, their their nose in front, and they did it enough by the end of the day. But their class did shine through when it needed to be. But you know, Antoine Dupont, uh, Intermark, these guys—they're they're not they're not young stars anymore from four years ago. These guys have been part of a team that has won over the last four years mm-hmm. and just get better and better and better. So the experience in these guys is phenomenal. But uh, Antoine Dupont, you know. He's one of the best players in the world right now and has been for a long time. Well, that gives us a great opportunity to look forward to next week uh, where the Irish are taking on the French at home. Uh, Geez, that's going to be early in the tournament. That's a a huge game. Yeah, that's huge. Um, uh, That's huge. It's sort of been a bogey as to how this Irish team sort of have got a, you know, have mustered up against them in the forwards. But they've countered that in the last 12 months. Um, You know, even... Even in the, even what they've done you know, against the All Blacks and then leading into this game and then and then every step they've matched it um, and some and you know with Kalen Doris and Dan Sheehan and and all these guys playing to their potential, um, oh, it's going to be a cracker. It's it'll, it'll be one of the games of the tournament. Um, this game against France next week. Uh, Michael, one of our uh, avid listeners here, has texted and said that the Six Nations have introduced a shot clock um, ban, the pre pre line out huddles. This was great. Yeah, um, mate, it sped up the game remarkably. Um, did you enjoy watching the product a bit more? I thought it was phenomenal. You know, yeah. such such subtle changes made a massive difference uh, from a viewership and entertainment point of view. Mm. There was just no dead time. And, and it seemed to flow through every single match. So, oh, like when they can make a little change like that and it speeds up the game from an entertainment point of view, bring it on. Um, because, you know, every single stadium was full. That's the beauty about Six Nations. Mm. It's 
it's just chaos um, as a fan at those matches, and, and there's just so much entertainment in it. But those two subtle differences, I, and I, I believe, made a, made a massive difference from a viewership point of view. Just quickly off the um, Six Nations topic, um, I saw Stewart run over, I um, can't remember exactly who it was, who, who went in for a low tackle around the, around the legs, around the hips, and that's the new rule that um, the English Rugby Union has brought into community footy. What's your take on it, mate? Um, I've been knocked out numerous times as a schoolboy rugby player trying to go low on some big boys. Uh, do you think it's the uh, solution to, to getting head knocks out of the game? Oh, highly doubt it, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's, you know, I'm uh, hard to pick sides on this, but I don't think just going low is going to solve this, um, mm. the head knock issue going forward. You know, there, there was so many different ways to tackle that you have to put your body on the line. Yeah. And that was the reality of contact sport. But, you know, going low, you know, yeah, the ball carrier has more than 50% to do with half the net head knock. So yeah. depending on what they do, I, I have no idea. You know, only time will tell with any new trial and any of the rules. Um, you know, it'll either be a positive or it'll be a negative. But I think there'll be a hell of a lot more head knocks um, and that it's never going to go away. Isa, uh, just before we let you go, and we so appreciate your time on this Waitangi weekend as well. Those three matches over the weekend were so exciting. They were great products to watch. How fizzed up does this get you for Rugby World Cup later this year? Oh, man, I love it. Yeah. It was it was honestly, it wasn't, you know, I remember getting up in the early hours of the morning watching Five Nations with my dad when I was five <laughs> years old and it was boring, raining rugby at the old Lansdowne Road. That was not the product. Yeah. And the stadiums were full, the fans are back, and, and the build-up, everyone knows that World Cup's coming. Yeah. Um, and it just makes every single week so much more important from a player and coach's point of view. But from a fan's point of view, the, the, the number of tries scored over the weekend was phenomenal. And, you know, that shows you how far the Northern Hemisphere has continued to go um, and the brand of rugby they're trying to play. So it'll it'll set up nicely in the lead-up to the World Cup. Great tries as well. Little chip kicks, running rugby, 60-metre tries. Oh, we saw it all over the weekend. We literally saw yeah, it all. And I good. urge you all, if you haven't watched it, go and watch that. It's, it's worth getting up for, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. The highlights were phenomenal. Um, yeah. But the match and the intensity of the match was was past and beyond Test Match footy. And that's what Six Nations does. And it'll just get better and better as the weeks go on. Isa, thank you so much for coming on the programme. Uh, we so appreciate it. And, and we'll talk to you shortly as well. Cheers. Cheers, cheers much. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. Isa Nathiwa joining us there to talk all things Six Nations. And I tell you what, it gets me bloody pumped. Did you watch the Six Nations over the weekend? If you did, what did you think of the action? Should we be worried as All Blacks fans? I loved the way that these Six Nations sides were playing. As Isa said, it wasn't that boring style of rugby that we've come to know from the Northern Hemisphere. It was exciting. Uh, it was a great product to watch. Uh, and it was a great product to watch on TV as well. Let us know what you thought, though, would be interesting. Interested, double eight double three on the Temper and Bed Post text line or 0800 150 on the Makita New Zealand phone line. Are we used to sing? Yes, it is. This is The Run Home, your special edition, Waitangi Monday long weekends with Kirsten Mitch. You've got us for a full, full hour four hours, I should say, today uh, mm. until six o'clock. And we've got uh, plenty more coming up for you. The next hour, we're going to talk cricket and then we've got an hour of basketball as well. Uh, a couple of people 
Uh, with suggestions, you named your first 11 that you'd like to see for the Black Caps. Well, yep. Mark's got his as well. Yeah, Mark, uh, tongue-in-cheek a little bit, I think, on this one, Mark. Uh, Mark's come up with the team that he's got. Latham, Conway, Kane Williamson, Will Young, which I like, number four. Daryl Mitchell, five. Blundell, six. Bracewell, seven. Jamison at eight. Southie, nine. Ferguson at 10, a little bit of firepower, love it. And Daniel Vittori's coming out of retirement, love it. And at number 11, geez, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, you know, Dan Vittori was a great number nine for us. <laughs> it's just old age, eh? The eyesight's going a little bit. Mark loves it. Yeah, Mark would have him in there. He would. Speaking of Jameson, uh, who of course has been, uh, will make his return uh, to the international arena for the first test. Mm. Someone has texted in, Jamison and Ferguson won't last, I guarantee it. Yeah, Baz has texted that one in. Um, yeah, I understand on the Jamison one. We've Baz? got Luke Wright coming in. Uh, yeah, no, not the Baz, Baz from Omaru. Uh, he's, he's already in that starting one. to just get in our minds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, yeah I understand the Jamison one. There's, uh, there's a high chance that uh, uh, with those back injuries, it can re rupture. But they've said he's only going to play the first text. We'll talk to Luke Wright We've at the got top his of the assistant hour. Coach yep, coming up. Yep, so domestic coach. He'll be able to let us know uh, how he's shaping up. So that'll be good. And Lockie Ferguson, yep, the heat of Perth. We know he pulled his calf. It was exciting to see him on the park for that test debut. We haven't seen him since. Uh, and I'd love to see Lockie Ferguson charge in with that red ball. We saw it in the Indian series. He can swing that new ball, and he's very dangerous when he does. So pink ball under lights would have been nice to let him loose. But we will talk to Luke Wright after the hour. Catch up with us after the break. Thanks to McDelivery, we've got Luke Wright about to join us on the line. Scotty Stevenson, Sparksport commentator, on to talk about the Super Smash. We've got Drive to Survive for a $50 TAB bonus bet voucher. If you followed Mitch in on Mitch's Millions, you may need the top-up in your TAB <laughs> <Big top> account. <laughs> Everyone needs a top-up after the weekend, so listen out for your cue to call. And after 5 o'clock, we're chatting basketball with uh, Sky Sports Breakers commentator Andrew Mulligan, Brevin Galloway, uh, who's at Clemson University in the United States as well, an absolute superstar over there to talk about that college experience. Uh, March Madness coming up next month as well. It is big. It is very, very big, plus cream of the crop and so much more. That is the Macca's menu. Thanks to McDelivery, delivering your Macca's favourites straight to your door. This is the Run Home feature interview. Thanks to Mick Delivery. Look, Mitch is pulling in all the favours for his four days on the run home. He's getting us absolute superstars on the programme. Our next guest spent nearly a decade in England's national side, 50 ODIs, 51 T20s. He's played everywhere from Sussex to Melbourne to Pune in India uh, and in Auckland, of course, with our very own Mitch McLennigan. Now he's the Aces assistant coach and at the end of the season he'll be joining England as a selector. Luke Wright, thank you so much for your time on the program. Congratulations uh, on the call-up and the new job with England as well. But before we get into all of that, how did you actually end up in New Zealand and with Auckland? What's the connection? <laughs> Hi there. Yeah, um, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, well, on an England tour, um, would have been playing against Mitch actually all those years ago <laughs> um, on, a, on a night out down the viaduct. <laughs> I, um, I managed to turn up finding my wife. So, um, yeah, it's what's always brought us back here. So we've always come back here and visited pretty much every every winter in England's winter. Um, and then obviously the plan was to to move to Auckland when the job came up. It was it worked out perfectly for the family. And I suppose this England job's thrown a bit of a, a spanner in the works. But we're still going to try and commit to to living here. It just makes it 
quite a big commute to be fair. <laughs> yeah, so, so what are your commitments going to be? And, and actually, thanks for, for getting back to me, mate. It's been easier to get hold of you when you're overseas than it is when you're back in New Zealand. <laughs> it's because your golf courses are too good over here. That's the problem. I've <laughs> been, uh, been trying to get my handicap down. But um, no, it's, it was great by England, actually. I mean, look, I wasn't expecting to, to get that role. I, I knew there was a, a lot bigger profile players that, uh, that had gone for that role. So it was sort of unexpected and wasn't, as I said, part of the plan. But um, they're, they're also very understanding because I knew Auckland had given me such a great opportunity mm. here um, that I didn't just want to up and leave straight away. It was bad enough to leave after one year. So... Rob Key was kind enough to let me finish the season out with the boys. Um, so, you know, it gives them time over the winter to, 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 you know, to bring someone into my role. But um, I've absolutely loved it. Um, and it's, I am going to miss it, that's for sure. What sort of preparation can you do going into a role like this, the selector of England? What, what, is, it, what is the role actually like? Well, I think it's going to be a lot of watching cricket around county cricket, but it's not just selecting, obviously, the England squad. It'll be the, the Lions, the one step yeah. down, and then down to under-19s as well. So, I th- you know, the one thing with those England jobs, I think, you know, most squads sort of 12, 13 pick themselves, and it's maybe one or two. Um, the role has slightly changed a little bit from previous times when, it, you know, they had a head selector who would get the final say on everything, but that's changed now, and rightly so. You know, when you've got... Baz McCullum and, and mm. Ben Stokes and Rob Key, you know, you're not going to be telling them the last person they've got to pick. You know, it's going to be between us um, deciding those squads. But I think, you know, they're obviously in a very good place at the moment. But it's to try and make sure, you know, this that England's sort of uprising in one-day cricket, especially, but also now in Test cricket, can try and carry on for a long time. And we've got, you know, we're very lucky with the, the cricketers that are coming through. Um, it's just trying to make sure you pick the right ones if you can. Mm. You, you get a lot of uh, badgers over in England, mate, a, a lot of uh, badger fans. <laughs> Have you enjoyed having a badgerless summer so far? <laughs> yeah, do you know what? It has. It, does, it is surprising. Yeah, you get used to it in England, don't you, uh, everywhere you go or... Uh, even when you arrive at places, you get off buses, there's always a few just hanging around near the hotel for, for an autograph or so. But um, yeah, it's been absolutely great. I've loved, even in the Super Smash, it's been nice seeing some of the crowds that we've we've had. Um, but um, yeah, it'd be nice if a few more watched the, the four-day the four day cricket, but uh, that's just the way it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's usually about seven or eight in the crowd. We used to play a game at McLean Park. Guess at T, how many people were in the crowd? It was between four and 12 was always the winning number. Um, on that, mate, like you, you, you've been in, in New Zealand for, for this summer. What, what's your take on, on where the game is in New Zealand and, and how do you think the domestic scene is? Yeah, I've absolutely loved it. I think, you know, from, from always from everyone else, New Zealand's always been the envy, haven't they, seeing you know, how do they keep doing it? You know, for such a small population, mm. how do they keep, you know, producing these world-class cricketers? And I think what you want thing, you know, as you know, there's just so, such natural sports people out here that it's not always when you look at the coaching, there's quite a lot of raw talent there. Um, but in a way, I think some people can be overcoached, can't they? And the fact that sometimes people just find their own way um, can be actually be a really big benefit. And then, you yeah. know, you sort of help guide them along that way. And But I think for all of us, cricket's obviously in a... In a interesting situation at the moment of New Zealand are going through and England are starting to find it where, you know, franchise cricket is starting to take over. Um, and it's how can we preserve and keep players in the international game as long as possible, not start losing players. And, you know, obviously, from my point of view, that would be part of my job, mm. uh, ways we can try and do that with England, which is obviously such a hot topic at the moment in New Zealand. But I think it's going to be happening for everyone, not just here. And we've just been talking about that as well, haven't we? <laughs> we have been, it's such we have a big been. topic. Yep. Yeah, massive at the moment. Um, Roddy, 
I've seen it firsthand, mate. Uh, but your Crick Info page, the first line is Luke Wright is the Duracell bunny of England cricket. Uh, obviously high energy, <laughs> mate. Um, yeah, uh, about your career, mate, what, what was it that made you so good? I know you were so prolific in T20 cricket. 2010 World Cup was obviously a highlight. Um, what made you uh, such a good cricketer and, and what was the highlight of your career if you're looking back at it now? Yeah, well, I think the Jiriso Bunny part was probably written when I was a bit younger. I think if you see my warm-ups in the last... It wasn't on the years, Summer of Love, was it? <laughs> but um, I, do you know what? I just, I loved it. I absolutely loved the game. Um, and the interesting point for me is actually, you know, people always talk about, you know, my T20, which was obviously where I had my most success. But mm. I actually loved the four-day game as well. You know, I managed to get on a test tour, but didn't make my debut but I actually for the guys who you know the amount of kids have been in the system or young ones at Sussex that want to just give it up and go straight to white ball and I actually found it a lot harder when I gave up red ball cricket because it gives you your basics it gives you the amount of time you're training that you're hitting balls you're facing bowlers all the time and the moment I actually gave it up I found it a lot harder you know the sidearm's good but it, it only gives you so much but yeah. yeah I mean I was incredibly lucky as well I think it you know it just it suited my game um, I was always quite attacking batsman, even in four-day cricket. And I think when it came about, um, I just loved it. You know, same with you. We've had some great battles over the time. I think you've probably, I think you've won, I have to say. I think you got me out more times than I smacked you about. But um, it's just great fun, isn't it? And I think that's the bit you miss the most, you know, when you finish playing. The changing room is, is one of the things I've, I'll definitely miss the most. And going back into coaching, that's what I love because didn't mean I didn't have to do the warmths anymore. I didn't have to play, but I could stay in the changing room. And uh, I think going into my role, that's definitely something I'll miss. How has that transition been from a, from a guy who's in that position now, looking at what I'm going to do in the future and, and, and coaching being maybe one of those things? What, what's it been like? What's been the big difference? Well, I, I suppose to me, I, I saw it coming. I, but the moment, you know, the one thing that when I did become a T20 or white ball only player, I, I wanted to make sure that I was getting myself set up for post cricket I've seen too many players before me end up finishing cricket and not knowing what's next and and start to get a panic on so probably for the last three four years I knew it was coming so I went away and did all my coaching badges tried to do as much coaching as possible but then went into education and did a master's in directorship as well so I was trying to make sure I was you know as set up as possible Um, and then I think I was almost ready to to move on rather than being told my my eyes were gone which I think they're starting to they were definitely starting to go um but I had a stint with Melbourne Stars doing assistant coaching. I started to go into a few financial companies and trying to do a sort of bit of apprenticeships and everything. So the actual, in a way, I had a bit of a soft landing. And then obviously the job came up with, with Auckland. So it was a really nice transition. Um, and I actually haven't, I haven't missed playing part of it, which I, you know, I feel for people when things get cut short or they're not ready to finish. And like we all do, we, you know, we all finish at some point. But I feel quite lucky in the fact that you know, I haven't felt like that and I'm always ready to, to move to the next stage. Just on Auckland, uh, while we've got you on, Luke, we've had uh, people trying to guess what our lineup will be against England uh, in that first test. Kyle Jamison's name's obviously been in there. Um, how is he doing and do you think he is ready to return from that injury to that international arena? Yeah, I mean, look, it's great to have him back. He's such a He's such a big cricketer and, you know, we were... We were so hoping he was going to be ready earlier than he was. But, mm. you know, with, with backs, you just have to take the time, don't you? Especially when he's had such a bad problem and a few little setbacks. But, look, he's bowled really well for us. He's bowling quick. Um, and the next step is obviously then getting those workloads up that, you know, they don't want him to go from just bowling a few overs in white ball cricket to then trying to bowl 25 in a day. But, you know, he's, he's such a 
professional guy. I think you know he's been working the way to get those overs mm. up. So it'll be interesting whether whether he plays the first or the second. I, I think from the talk um, that's set out, you know, out on the radio and stuff, listening to steady that whether he plays both, we're not sure. But look, he's a huge asset to have back, and you have to look after those people, don't you? And you know, so I think looking at New Zealand, we, as we spoke earlier, some of the guys now not playing, someone like him is going to be worth his weight in gold. So. Um, you know whether they whether he ends up playing both, but he's on great form. He's batting really well and he's bowling quick, so it's great signs for New Zealand. That's great. That's good. Good news. Good inside all. So uh, it could be for their first test, their pink ball test, ready to go. That's exciting stuff. Looking at your England's men's test squad, mate. Um, geez, it's some names that we haven't seen in here, uh, here over here in New Zealand with a mixture of experiences as, as well. Uh, look, who excites you for the last twelve months on that side, mate? You've got Ben Duckett's coming to the setup. Harry Brooks, geez, he looks like a talent. Um, anyone else that you're really excited about in this setup, bud? Oh, well, yeah, I mean, the one thing I think, you know, New Zealand have done the same. The one thing that catching up since COVID, there's been so many series. I mean, to, it's crazy, isn't it? When, when you've got different England teams or New Zealand teams, one's in India, one can be in Pakistan or one's starting a test series here. But, but what it has done, it's given people opportunities that might not have had chances before. Um, and as you said, I think someone like Harry Brock, I mean, he's an absolute superstar and he's, anything you seem to throw at him, whether it's white ball cricket, red ball cricket and sort of bat anywhere up in the order he, he just seems to just take it in his stride he's gone away in franchise cricket as well and he's dominated um and I think that's been the nice thing I mean from England's point of view although it sadly is not obviously going to get to play to screw but seeing Joffrey Archer come yeah, back huge, is obviously eh? massive um and, and we're starting to get all our bowlers I think we you know one thing we've had last year and over this with all the cricket since Covid we were starting to lose all our bowlers to injury but to have them all back obviously Ashes in English summer next year, yeah. um, to have them all back will be absolutely huge. But what it does is against, you know, you're playing against one of the top, top sides in New Zealand. So from my point of view, looking forward to that summer, these guys it does, do have an opportunity, you know, Crawley and Duckett, as you mentioned, they're, you know, they're big series for them to try and stake a big claim going forward. Yeah, I just the Joffrey Archer one. Obviously, you played with him at Sussex for such a long time, mate. He's been off injured for for what eighteen months, almost two years now. Um, how how much is England cricket going to put him on on ice leading into that one day World Cup? Or do you think he actually needs the game time and to get back into some good form, even though he's just taken six for four forty? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think a bit of both. I think look, he's got to be managed. Um, the hard thing with Joff. He wants. He's desperate to just get back in. I think mm. he was begging to play even before he was supposed to play, and he's desperate to get back in Test cricket, which is great. But obviously, that's got to be managed. So the fact he's playing now and he's staying fit, and and the other thing, there was still a lot of questions of because of the injuries he had in his back and in his elbow, could he still bowl the pace he's bowled? Well, obviously, he's come back and you know he's, he's straight back to where he was bowling rapid again, and so that's great to see. It's great to see him enjoying his cricket. But uh, yeah, there's a bit of both. I think. That's one of the reasons why they're easing him back in and he hasn't just gone straight into playing Test cricket again. They've got to manage him. They've got to get those workloads up. And, you know, obviously the IPL's on the way and then there'll be some county cricket for him that he'll need to play um, leading to those ashes. But, um, yeah, having him firing is obviously going to be a, a big part of what England need. But you've got to manage that. And quickly before we let you go, um, did, you, did you end up watching your, uh, your English side go down to Scotland overnight? Luckily, with the time difference, I didn't get to see it. But uh, I, I'd seen, <laughs> as my excuse anyway, I'd seen at half time it was pretty tight. But um, yeah, it was it was disappointing. It's not not too often that happens at Twickenham uh, against Scotland. So 
that have been a very there's been some very disappointed people on a lot of Guinness um, <laughs> disappointed to see that result but um, fair play to Scotland they must have played very very well to, to beat England at home they did they, t- they played phenomenally and while we're crossing codes I just wanted to circle right back to the top your golf handicap what are you trying to get it down to and what's your favourite New Zealand course <laughs> Uh, well, I was very lucky. We got to play Jack's Point when we were down in Queenstown, nice. and that was just absolutely stunning. So, um, yeah, I'm fairly new to well, I started about three, three years ago when COVID hit. I'd never really played it as a kid, but I've got absolutely the bug massively. Spend far too much time and money on it, but I'm down to an 11 at the moment. Um, but I'm desperate to get into single figures. But Mitch keeps asking me to get on the <laughs> golf course. So I feel like he's a bit of a hustler, actually, <laughs> on his home patch the way around Howick. The um, nine hole Howick membership. Yeah. Nine hole Pegaranga <laughs> membership, mate. Yeah, come out come out, play some Twilight, mate, one evening. Yeah. No, I'd love to. Absolutely love to. It'll be bloody good. Awesome, mate. Thank you very much for your time, mate. It's going to be a super exciting series to watch mm. and, and I can't wait until England hopefully uh, start losing a few games and so we can ring you and I can wind you up even more now you're a selector. <laughs> well, we can get this. I don't start to the end of March, so I can get this series out of the way without too much abuse, hopefully. But uh, look, it's great. It's great to see. Obviously, New Zealand, you know, having involvement with New Zealand cricket now, I, I couldn't wish for New Zealand to, to do better in, as they go forward in the future. But uh, obviously, just not against New Zealand from, from uh, as far as, as I'm concerned. But no, thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. You're brilliant. Thank you so much, Luke. Appreciate it. Luke Wright Good. joining us there. Uh, of course, his time has come to an end with the Auckland Aces and he moves on to his next role with England, not just the top side, but uh, looking at England cricket as a whole and making sure uh, that they are strong for years to come in their development systems as well. What a guy, uh, an absolute legend. As you said, 400-odd matches for Sussex, uh, T20 World Cup. He's yep. done it all, hasn't it? 100 games for England. Bloody yep. lucky He's, to have uh, him here in New Zealand giving back too. Yeah, I and it sounds like um, he's going to try and find a way to stay in New Zealand cricket, like or sorry, stay in New Zealand with the family. How um, about all love, all good love stories started down at the viaduct? Oh, on a cricket don't they? Tour. Danny, Danny Doolan's in particular. <laughs> is that where it was? I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'd imagine it probably would have been somewhere like Danny Danny's Doolan's are, yeah. on a New Zealand uh, tour geez, at the viaduct. There's a lot of lot of athletes that fall in love in New Zealand. That's for sure. <laughs> there is. There's always seems to be every country has a tour of love story when they come to New Zealand, whether it's uh, cricket, rugby. Rugby league seems to, seems to be in the mix as well. So, yeah. So, well, there we go. We're talking about cricket now. We're talking about summers of love. Love Very, it. very good. Very good. Great to get him on. Thanks so much for setting that interview up, Mitch. We hope you enjoyed that one. very random. We're going from cricket to slapping. Have you seen it? They've been doing the rounds on social media. You can also watch it on TV. It's this world slapping league where two players literally step up to a mark, go head to head with the hardest slaps. And these slaps are so hard across the face that these guys end up blacking out. They're literally blacking out because it is so... It is crazy to watch. This is is a sport. This is modern day sport, everyone. Uh, And we have to get used to it or let's see what Eddie Hearn says about it all. I don't like the slap league. I feel like boxing is different. Like what you're taught in boxing and and what it gives you as an individual, the slap league kind of goes against all of that. 
it's a free shot, unprotected and undefended to the brain. And my worry is more for, we talked about earlier, about the next generation, the future generation. Kids are watching that, thinking that's acceptable. You know, how long before you've got the playground doing the same thing? That is Eddie Hearn, of course, boxing promoter to the stars. He's got a point. Kids will watch that and think, let's try it. He has They're got a point. They're probably already doing it, yeah. to be fair. <laughs> It'd be rude of me not to say that I have been involved in uh, a slapping competition. competition. (laughs) The Howick, Pakuranga World Slapping Championships between you and your brother. It used to be a a mate of mine in our friend group, and occasionally we would meet, and that would be our little game. That's what you do. Are we talking full hard? Yeah, full hard. Like what they're doing. So, like, no holding back with your slaps. Yeah, but the boys stitched them up, um, didn't tell them I was left handed, and we made the rule that it was left handed only. Oh. So, but yeah, it is naughty. Like it's a it's a terrible. If you think about it, I hadn't even thought about that. Like the, what you could be doing damage wise. Um, but it's a real thing now. Um, Eddie Hearn, obviously, with that dramatic music behind, make it a little bit more uh, negative, I guess. Or <laughs> yeah, but I agree. With you. Like kids do watch all that kind of stuff. Hundred percent. Dan Hooker, uh, one of uh, obviously New Zealand's UFC fighters. He's he's a big uh, he's often on Twitter, like, talking about it, and, and he, he seems to like it. And Dana White's behind it. No surprises there after what he did to he his is. wife. So, uh, yeah, so, yeah, so, oh. <laughs> so Kirsten has obviously haven't seen the video of uh, Dana White. So <laughs> Jacob did. Jacob, Jacob's chimed in. <laughs> you just it's, go places that just... No one else goes. No, it's just the, bordering on the line, you know? <laughs> anyway. On the line? Probably over the line, over but line, this is often. another one of those sporting competitions that are out that is just absolutely ridiculous. There's that balloon one, where you, the Balloon World Cup, where you literally are in a glass box. It looks like a squash arena, and you've got to keep the balloon up, and you've got to run around all these obstacles, bear to couch. It's like <laughs> it's like playing keep it up in your in your living room. That's fun though. That's and then you've cool. got like the World Cup of hot dog eating competitions. Yep. Are these sports? Are these games? What do you call all of these leagues that are that are breaking out as entertainment I products? I feel like this on is ESPN? the um, this is what participation does to sport Kirst. You know, not encouraging people to win. Certificate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so anything you can participate now and be successful? So that's how it's come about. So that's why you're getting all these obscure things like hot dog eating and jumping around balloon, keeping the ball off the ground, <laughs> balloon off the ground in your lounge. But that was fun. That was a great game as a kid. That really was. But, yeah, this slap one. Well, now you this can win a dangerous. world championship. Yeah, can do. Yeah, I might have to get the old slapping gloves off again <laughs> as well. I'll have to find him. Brad was his name. So, yeah, might have to reignite that battle. Very good. Well, uh, coming up, we're talking our domestic super smash competition. The women's finalists have been found. Wellington Blaze uh, will be in the final, hosting the final on Saturday. This Saturday coming up, they'll take on either the Otago Sparks or the Canterbury Magicians. Yet to know who the main qualifier is in the men's, but most likely uh, the Volts in the men's side of things, and they should be taking on the Northern Brave or Canterbury Kings, but that is yet to be determined because there is a match still at play uh, as we speak in the Super Super Smash. We're going to get all the updates from Scotty Stevenson, plus we've got Drive to Survive after that as well. So listen out for your cue to call in about 15, 20 minutes' time if you want to top up your TAB account. 
not cursed and beef today. It is cursed and Mitch McLennigan, and we have an hour of power, an hour of cricket for you this afternoon. We've been talking Super Smash. Of course, we had Auckland Aces assistant coach Luke right on earlier. If you missed it, go back and listen on the app. And now we have broadcasting and extraordinaire Spark Sport commentator, broadcaster, anchor Scotty Stevenson joining us on the line as well. Scotty, thank you so much for your time. How are you on this Waitangi Monday? Not too bad, actually, uh, team. I'm just uh, standing on the beach at Waipu Cove, actually, having come back from Wellington this morning. So I figured I'd just take in most of the North Island in one day and just really enjoy it. Geez, that, uh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> that sounds absolutely terrible, mate. Geez, I was, Is the I, weather good I, up there? Well, the sun's finally trying to break through, but I, I mean, I wouldn't say it's perfect, but, you know, any day on the beach is perfect, really. So happy day. Well, let's talk about the women's uh, Super Smash competition because we know who's yep. going to be playing in the elimination final. Otago Sparks against the Canterbury Magicians. Is this what you expected at the start of the season? The blaze to go through and just be blazing the whole competition? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, given the blaze and what, eight white uh, turns involved in the blaze <laughs> campaign, and, and you know, that, that includes a couple of uh, surplus requirements for the World Cup, still there, the likes of Luke Casbrick. Mm. They're an extraordinary side, and of course, yesterday we saw them get beaten for the first time uh, in 20 matches. So, a 20 match unbeaten run for the Blades going back to uh, the final before last. It's been an incredible, incredible run for Lance Dry and Luke Woodcock's team, but um, ultimately, thrilled for the Hearts to get a victory yeah. um, and keep their hopes alive. Well, they were alive at least until the Sparks today. Uh, managed to go back-to-back against the Magicians, which I would not have picked, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, and the Magicians must be scratching their head. I think they would have thought when the World Cup squad was announced and they lost one player in Leah Tahuhu that they would be uh, certainly in the box seat to, to spring a surprise. And they may still well do, uh, but I don't think they would have expected to go down uh, two games running against the Sparks this time of the season. Sumo, um, just on that quickly with the Wellington Blaze, do you, do you think that their talent should be uh, shared around a little bit while we're trying to build the women's game in New Zealand? Yeah, I've heard, I've heard all sorts of you know, sort of claims like that. Um, I guess, I mean, I understand why people would like to see that, but it also does a disservice to those who have grown up in Wellington, mm-hmm. who have been through the Wellington system. I mean, don't they have the right to represent their own association? Um, Look, they've just had a rich vein of form, haven't they? Mm. I guess if you took Tawa away from Wellington and maybe made it a part of another association, the talent might be shared around uh, when you think of uh, all the players that come yeah, out of that particular fair. suburb of Wellington. Um, but I, look, I don't know if that's the case. Now, I tend to balk at suggestions like that. I, I think it's up to other associations to look at what Wellington have got at their disposal and then ask themselves what they're doing uh, to build that kind of depth. Uh, and again, I, I look at the game on the weekend with the Hearts, not just, they didn't just win. I mean, they destroyed the Blaze at home yesterday. And so this is a Blaze team that, yes, I know they're missing the Kerrs, I know they're missing uh, Sophie Devine and others. Uh, but ultimately, if you, if you want to be the best, you've got to beat the best. And just sharing talent around, I don't think that does anything to enhance the game. I just think that's a cop-out, frankly. No, that's fair. That's fair. I like it. Strong points. That's what we like, Sumo. That's what we like on the drive show here. <laughs> yeah, curses all over that. She's nodding her head. She likes it. Hey, um, look, turning our heads to um, the men's game, obviously, a game going on at the moment. You've got the, the yep. Vaults taking on uh, the Magic or some Magic. Jeez, I'm thinking of Magic. The Kings. I've just got the Magicians in my head. The Magic have gone back to back. Is anything they can't do? Oh, sorry about that. They're playing the Kings at the moment, mate. Look, let's say Targo. 
Chicago seems, uh, t- side's been really, really solid. Um, the inclusion of yep. Dean Foxcroft this year for the Vaults has been um, one yep. of the key indicators. Jack Gibson, uh, Jake Gibson, he, he opened the batting in the last game. What a phenomenal yep. innings that was. Um, what, what do you like about this Vault side, mate? And, and it looks like they've got the home final as well. Do you think they can go all the way this year? Yeah, well, they're going to have the home final if they manage to hold on today against Canterbury. And um, they've set a pretty imposing total. That game's currently in progress, of course. So uh, we won't know in, until the end of the game. Canterbury actually went in four points adrift, but with a superior run rate. Mm. So, um, you know, Canterbury can still get up and, and pip Otago for, for first spot. And obviously, uh, home advantage for the grand final. The way this tournament works, um, the top uh, qualification or women's second-place team will host both elimination finals for the men and the top-ranked New Zealand side will host uh, the two finals, the grand finals. So, um, look, the Volts have just... I don't know what to... I, I'm a huge fan of Hamish Rutherford. I'm a huge fan of just mm. how laid-back the guy is, and, you know, and I think it's a real team-first mentality. And losing Broomey this year, Mitch, you would know pretty well, um, you know, he was such a huge part of that team, as was Anaru Kitchen. They just found a couple of young bucks, I think, just bought into what they're trying to be as a, as a cricket team. Mm. Started pretty slowly, but the back half of the tournament... Uh, they've won the tight ones. They've won the games that probably got away from them before and certainly last year as well. I think that tie against, um, against the Aces, uh, where, you know, big Matty Bacon was pretty devastated because he went to 17 off the final over, but, you know, he didn't go for 18 and if he had, they lose that game. So they managed to share the points. And since then, they've just they've looked for all money like absolute world beaters. And I, I just think it's just a team that everyone knows their roles, they know what they're doing, they believe in each other. And there's been an outstanding pace bowler in Michael Ray, who's having a season to remember, mm. and, and then a real genuine spin whiz in, in Michael Rippon. Um, so they've got a couple of bowlers there who are taking polls, really crucial in T20 cricket. And, and then some guys who are, who are contributing all the time. Fox Cross being unreal. And Jake Gibson with a breakthrough innings just a couple of days ago. That 96, mate, was, that was some hitting. Yeah, he was superb again today as well. He's, uh, I think he got another yep. seventy odd today, so uh, seventy five off forty eight. So that's outstanding. Carried his bat through the whole inning. So impressive stuff from him. I, I always saw him as a bowling all rounder. So uh, I was obviously wrong. <laughs> that was that was the press release when he came down to to the vaults. So he's obviously putting that to shame. That's pretty awesome. That's what every bowler wants, mate, is to end up being an op- uh, opening batsman. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So many of them are sitting there one day just dreaming of that moment, haven't they? But. Um... Yeah, the all-rounders in this competition have been immense, and, and you've got to have good all-rounders. Um, and I, I think that's one of the things that I looked at the Flybirds this year, and, and they'll be pretty devastated because obviously results haven't gone their way and didn't go to their way yesterday with the Aces getting up over them. But, mm. you know, a young husband, and you won't find a more intense captain than Pete and someone who really believes in the cause like he does, taking over from braces this season. But, you know, you've just got to have players who are contributing both bat and ball, and you know, we've seen you know great performances, bowling performances from the likes of Smudge Smith and, and Logan Van Beek, but just haven't quite combined with the bat as they might have done last year. Um, so, you know, when you've got when you've got your bowling all rounders in there, they genuinely have to be all rounders and they've got to contribute. And that's a really tough gig, um, and it's hard to criticise when you when you've got two jobs to do in a cricket match. But um, ultimately, the teams I think with the all rounders firing on all cylinders is going to go a long way to winning this. Scotty, before we let you get back to the beautiful beach at Waipu Cove, uh, the International Summer of Cricket is almost back in New Zealand, just under two weeks yeah. until we take on England in that first test. How much are you looking forward to this? Baz taking on the Black Caps. <laughs> yeah, well, Baz won't be out on the field. So, And um, we all know how I feel about people getting too carried away with coaches. And look, we all love Baz. Um, we miss him in the commentary box. But it's the players who've got to do the damage, don't they? 
Like New Zealanders have been starved for international cricket mm-hmm. this summer. It's just the way the schedule's worked out. Uh, and to have the storylines that go with this team, it's not just Baz, of course, from a New Zealand point of view. Um, obviously, Dick Bell's also mm-hmm. a part of that coaching setup, with the spin coaching. Uh, so there's plenty of Kiwi interest there. I think Baz got the boys out pretty early so they can go to Queenstown and play some <laughs> golf. Maybe, maybe check out a Bloodstock sale or two as well while he was here. But look, now Monganui, mate, February 16, I, I think it'll be a sellout. Day night test. You know, great to have the pink ball test to start the series. And I think, look at the way England are flying at the moment. They're just playing brand of cricket that they love to play. It's succeeding for them at the moment. And New Zealand's under a lot of pressure. They're in a state of flux. There'll be no Trent Bolt. Uh, I don't think there'll be a Kyle Jameson for the first test. Um, so, look, I, it's going to be really interesting to see who they rely on, who they lean on, and, and who can deliver. Because I think there'll be a lot of pressure on this New Zealand side uh, to actually stand up and say we still believe in the way we play the game. And they don't want to get sucked in to what England are doing. They've just still got to be true to themselves. And, and there's a brand of cricket that got them all the way to the WTC last year. Mm. Um, they've just got to keep going and believing. So <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see whether they've got that belief. Um, and obviously it, it's a great place to play and watch cricket uh, at Day Over on Mount Wanganui. So it's going to be a great occasion and, and the Basin will be no different. Feb 16, it all kicks off the two-match series between New Zealand and England. Scotty, thank you so much for your time uh, on this Waitangi weekend and have a fabulous rest of your day. I uh, love you to chat to you both. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Scotty Stevenson joining us there from Spark Sport, of course, part of their broadcasting team that have been broadcasting uh, the Super Smash and the international cricket that is about to come our way. Uh, interesting. We've had differing thoughts and opinions on Carl Jamison from different people, some saying he won't last at all. Uh, of course, Luke Wright said... He should be available uh, for yeah. the first one. Yep. Sumo doesn't think he will be available. Um, that's all up in the air, but we've got a week and a half, don't we? Yeah, we do. We've got a bit of time. I think um, whatever the conditions are that are going to be best suited for him, he'll play. Um, and I think um, that'll be the swinging pink ball um, at the mounts, I believe. Um, first up, fresh. Hopefully the batters aren't used to our conditions here in New Zealand. He doesn't have to bowl as much, but watch him carry maybe another spinner um, in that game if he does play so that someone else can bowl some overs. We've got another team that's coming another first 11 who you would like to see start for the Black Caps and in what order against England do you want to kick this one off Mitch it all started from you naming your first 11 all did yeah 100% um, a lot of people actually I, I do like this this top four Devin Conway Tom Latham Kane Williamson at three and everyone's got Will Young in at four which I bloody like uh, you've got Henry there as well so I think this is from Doug Doug uh, you've got Henry at five Daryl Mitchell at six Blundell at seven. Bracewell. Michael Bracewell. As a skipper. I love it. I love it. He has been an absolute hero. So why not? Why not make the hero of New Zealand cricket this last 12 months the skipper of the team? Take some pressure off Kane. Well, all the pressure already is. Oh, no, that's why, because Southie doesn't have Southie in the doesn't have Southie in the team. Okay. He's he's been not the skipper. Now we're getting down further. (laughs) That's bloody awesome. Okay, Southie's out. Bracewell skipper. East Shoddy and Neil Wagner (laughs) is in playing eleven. Kyle Jameson is 12th man. Uh, yeah, I love Thoughts? it. Thoughts? You, do you love it? <laughs> I just love it. We've got some it's big calls different. on the show it's today. Different, oh, okay. It? So he's obviously thinks it's time to move Southie on. Um, and yeah, look, hey, Bracewell's been a fantastic skipper for Wellington over the years. He's got a lot of uh, experience uh, with that role. He's still young. 
He's still young. He's still, what, what is he, 31, 32? So he's still got a few years. So maybe that is now the, time. the person. Oh, potentially. He's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's got a very cool head on his shoulders, very experienced. So, hey, I, first time anyone has ever brought that name up as Skipper of the Skipper. Black Caps. But, hey, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I think they'll go Tom Latham first. But, yeah. Yeah, that's very nice. That's what it, we're all about here on The Run Home. We're about you having your say. This is your show at the end of the day, and we would be nothing without you. So if you've got a say on the Black Caps, your first 11, who you would like to see play for the Black Caps, who you'd like to see captain, uh, what order, who you're dropping, who you're having in, let us know, double eight double three on the Temper and Bedpost text line or call us 0800 150811 on the Makita New Zealand phone line or for a $250 Makita New Zealand voucher as well. Well, it is drive to survive time so if you are in need of a wee cheeky $50 top up all thanks to our great mates at the TAB now is the time grab the phone you've only got a few minutes we've got short ad breaks today so get in nice and early 0800 150 811 is the number to call we are playing drive to survive with the king Mitch Mitch is in the hot seat you're taking him on today is it an easy game of drive to survive yeah, well, we've got no question for lap three, so that's a good start. Oh, there we so, go. We must be giving so it, it away like two, today. Two laps. <laughs> two laps. Get around two so laps we'll make and that you're up getting topped up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is Luke Wright. No, it's just so good. We'll make it up. I apologise to anyone who jumped on our bets last week uh, from Mitch's Millions. Uh, you would have lost some money. So here's your chance to win some money back thanks to the TAB. We are going straight to the lines. Richie. Richie, how are you, mate? Yeah, good yourself, Mitch. Yeah, good. You, uh, how's your holiday going? Uh, your day off or you at work like us? Um, no, good on relaxing. Beautiful. Beautiful. Let's get you some money. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. Let's get you some money, mate. Let's get you some money. Uh, okay, cool. We'll get into it, eh? Lap one. Who won the BBL final over the weekend? Perth Scorchers. They did indeed convince. Well, not convincingly. Um, well, it looked like they were, you know, going to when Ashton Turner was at the crease. But then, then the heat struck back. It's one of the great finals in BBL history. So, yeah, bloody great. And that goes on to our next question: uh, Who was named Player of the Match? Oh, was the guy that you just mentioned, Ashton Turner? It was. So I've done that subconsciously, You've giving away, away tips. <laughs> <laughs> you want to give the money. Yeah, bloody hell. Oh, geez, I'm not very good at this game, am That's I? It's okay. Uh, it's give all it for you away. guys. Yeah, you so <laughs> keep doing it. Keep going. Okay, well, we have actually just been speaking about this actually the last hour of the cricket hour. Where is the first Black Caps test match against England being played? Mount Monganui. It is. It is. Bay Oval. Absolutely. What a beautiful ground it is now that build up those banks. Um, I know a lot of English people from Auckland who are going to be going down. Uh, a few people flying over as well. So is it's going like to be... 4,000 Barmy Army coming? Oh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be absolutely... And the Oh, I know. How good is that going to be? Jeez, the strip in the mount's going to be outstanding. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah. those English boys might find another Kiwi wife. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably not wrong, actually. Probably not wrong. Well, they won't get it burnt. Oh, you're too right. They do come out again. The sunscreen sales are going to be down, Richie. You're bang on, mate. Bang on. Uh, name the Scottish winger who has been compared to Jonah Lomu. Oh, Van der Merwe. It is indeed, mate. Duan Van der Merwe. GC is a beast. He's an absolute beast. Uh, so, yeah, you keep on getting those kind of raps. Uh, you're obviously a pretty good football player. So that's our lap number one. We're into lap number two. Give us more. Okay. Give us more of those <laughs> sound effects, okay. Lap number two. Dana White announced Izzy Adesanya's rematch with Alex Pereira. 
Pereira. Alex Pereira. There we go. I've got it out. Where is it going to be held? I've got no idea. Any clothes? Do you want to come yeah, it's, uh, it's in Florida. In Florida? Oh, well, two places in, I guess, Miami. It is going to be in Miami. It is going to be in Miami. I've been told that I'm not allowed to give any more clues. So you got very, very <laughs> lucky there, <laughs> Jacob, Jacob and the headphones. That's not true, Richie. <laughs> We're backing you, mate. <laughs> Beautiful. I hope you're a football fan because uh, it's been replayed a few times throughout the day with The Breakfast Show and uh, with Stephen McIver just before we came on air about 2.30. Harry Kane is now Tottenham Hotspur's top goal scorer of all time. How many goals has he scored? Oh, you're right. Oh, I know he scored against Man City, so mm. about 127. Ooh, I really wanted to give Richie a clue. Hard luck, Richie. I would have probably got the death seat. <laughs> hard luck, mate. Stay on the line. You might still be in the, the chance to win. Uh, we'll go to Zaid. Zaid, how are you? Yeah, all good. All good. How many goals has Harry Kane scored now for Tottenham Hotspur? Like I answer the clock over two hundred or under two hundred? Over. Over two hundred. Okay. Three. I think over two fifty, Zaid. I think it's at two sixty one. Ooh, oh, you were close, so Zade. Hold Zade. the line. You might get another crack, mate. We could just be counting down and just going through all of these numbers from 260 to 270. Uh, cool. We'll go to Ed. Mitch Ed, has just given you within a 10 range point system. Hi, how are you, mate? You well? Yeah, I'm good. It's 2.67. It Woo! is. You were listening. You were listening. That nice little woo is our new ding. So that's bloody awesome, mate. We're on to question number three of lap number two. Kiwi Liam Lawson has taken Red Bull's 2011 Formula One winning car around which track over the weekend? That is. He has indeed, mate. He Woo! has indeed. How good's that, eh? Woo! Curses on fire. Oh, this is a tricky one. If you, What's that, Ed? I was going to, uh, are those the effects, those ones, those woos? Yeah, they are going to yeah, be the new are, ones. Yeah, they are now. Yeah, Jacob is... Uh, we just recorded them in before, He's just actually. recording them. <laughs> oh, that's bloody awesome, mate. Jacob do you like should them? do his job and put the dings in then. I, I, it's live radio. Okay, we're we live radio. This is the last question, Ed. We've got to go come on, Ed, quickly. Come on. Which South African T20 side does Jimmy Neeson play for? South African team. Yeah, he's over in the South African comp at the moment. I don't know, bro. Sorry. You don't know? That means we no. jackpot. We are jackpotting, Ed. Oh, no, mate. Oh, no. That's going to be the first question of the next drive to survive. Give us the Ed. failure music. Sound effect. Wow. wow. Was it, that was terrible. That was horrible. Oh, Tomorrow, sheesh. drive to survive jackpots to $100, all thanks to our great friends at the TAB. Thank you so much, Richie Zaid, Ed, for playing along today. Uh, all of you got close, but just not quite a cigar today. But maybe... You can take the chocolates home tomorrow. Uh, we'll be back right after this. We're talking basketball with Andrew Mulligan. We've got cream of the crop and we've got a US college basketball star, Brevin Galloway too. Go and look him up. He's got a fascinating story uh, and he's got a connection to New Zealand as well. It's going to be a good, fun hour with you. That's coming up right after this.
This is The Run Home on ECNZ. It is just after five o'clock. Good evening to you. Hope you're enjoying your long weekend. Hopefully there's a bit of sunshine around in Auckland, especially uh, after the terrible weather we've had over the last month and a half. Coming up on the Macca's menu, thanks to McDelivery, we've got a full basketball hour today. You're going to absolutely love it. The voice of basketball in New Zealand, Andrew Mulligan, is coming up uh, very, very shortly. We've also got Brevin Galloway. If you haven't already, go and look him up. He's a star for Clemson University basketball in the NCAA competition playing college ball over Zade's there. Zade's already guessed as, as well. So Zade's got comes, it. Yep, Zade's got it. Go and look him up. He's a superstar over there uh, on Google or look at his social media channels as well. He's coming up a little bit later on in the program. Plus cream of the crop and plenty more. That is the Macca's menu. Thanks to McDelivery. Uh, but if you missed it, the Breakers have booked home court advantage for the semi-final after a dramatic overtime victory against Brisbane. Here are the highlights and Tom Abercrombie on the special season. New Zealand have lost their last five overtime games. Amazing. Here's Sobey. Well, good hands there from Abercrombie. Stolen away from Sobey. And now the New Zealand Breakers have got it where they want it. When the game is on the line, your veteran and your leader comes up clutch to give you second spot on the ladder. Breakers by five. And they are going to climb the second on the ladder. For the first time in eight years, the New Zealand Breakers are having a semi-final home court advantage. They've survived overtime here against the Brisbane Bullets and prevailed by five. It's full-time in Brisbane. New Zealand 80, Brisbane 75. There's been so many people reaching out to me over the you know the last couple of weeks. People you know, getting back on the breakers bandwagon and enjoying what we're doing and how we're playing and people in the street, neighbours coming up and just saying how much they are enjoying what we're doing and how we're playing, especially how we're playing. Um, and that's just been music to my ears to, to know that the vision that Modi and we all had coming into the season to, to reconnect with New Zealand and um, be a team that they can be proud of. Um, you know, that's where the, the real satisfaction comes in and obviously collecting second place to, to cap that off um, is, is an awesome feeling. That is the legendary Tom Abercrombie from the New Zealand Breakers. As he mentioned, many of you are back on the Breakers bandwagon, but a man who never got off it. He's been on it since day one, Andrew Mulligan, of course, commentator and broadcaster for Sky Sport. Great to have you back on the programme, Mully. How cool is this for the Breakers? From bottom of the table, a couple of terrible uh, years with COVID, uprooting their families. Now they've got home court advantage from for the semis. Yeah, look, I was, um, you know, last year, guys, I was, I was, I was kind of just like I had one foot off the bandwagon. I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you. I was, I was looking. I was maybe I was looking at the next stop. I was like, where do we, where do we now? I was just joking. Like seriously, <laughs> though, it is, it is fantastic to bounce back from five wins yeah. to securing second spot. Um, you know, in a matter of months, really is quite phenomenal. Uh, it truly is a testament to this organisation, and it's. Uh, its management and its recruitment and its determination to not just be a professional basketball team, mm. no matter where they are, but also having um, bringing back a New Zealand focus where they could on their roster. And these New Zealand players, like Isaiah Liafa, probably had a better deal to stay in with South East Melbourne Phoenix, but he wanted to return home. Yanni Wetzel, he wanted to return home last season and paid dividends for him because he went off to Europe and he's now in Germany playing basketball. Like, 
it, it's a real added bonus to have this New Zealand um, angle back on the roster where the last few years it just hasn't really happened. And they've done it by integrating an NBL Nesta and Ryan Ripper, this French kid who's going to be going and drafted in the first round for sure. There are 20 NBA representatives watching him play in Brisbane. Wow. And, and, and it just does, it does the breakers you know, a great deal of um, – gives them a great deal of credit when it comes to recruiting that next star next season if they want to do it. And also the league as well. It shows what um, how good the league is, but yes, for the breakers, extremely happy for them. I, you know, I can't wait for this first game on Sunday. Yeah, look, hey, it's going to be pretty exciting. Obviously, they get the semi final at home, but the other teams, you know, how's how do they decide who the breakers are going to be up against? Yeah, so what will happen is they will play the winner of the um, three versus four matchup, which is going to be Cairns hosting Tasmania. Now, Tasmania and can play very similar style of patient, slower-paced basketball in this league, which is quite a fast-paced league. They, they've had some battles. Both teams have had some battles against the Breakers. So there's no easy beat here. There's no um, game preferred by either team um, that I can see. They may feel like they match up better with one team or the other, but really, when it comes down to a semi-final series, it doesn't really matter. Having to go to Cairns from New Zealand, having to go to Tasmania from New Zealand, I mean, obviously, opposite ends of Australia, mm. it's still niggly. Um, you really want to take care of, bit, of business at home. And that's one place where the Breakers have been a little bit indifferent. They haven't had a great home record. In fact, if you look at the playoff teams, I'm sure they'd have probably arguably, um, off the top of my head, one of the worst, if not the worst, home record of all the playoff teams involved. They just struggle at home. They, they look hesitant. They look like they're just waiting for somebody on the team to take mm. the game by the scruff of the neck and put them away. And sometimes it just hasn't happened. Yeah, look, it's, I mean, it's exciting. I'm going to have to say that I'm getting on the bad wagon. I've watched the last two or three games, mate. So that's that's actually about as all, all as much as I've watched of the NBL. But tell you what, I'm getting excited, mate. Do you think they can go all the way this year? I totally do, yeah. And I look, I, honestly, I, I don't blame you if you only watched the last few games. Yeah. I don't blame you. I mean, a lot of Breakers fans wouldn't watch the rest of the league, to be honest, to be perfectly honest. Breakers fans just care about the Breakers. Mm. Um, they don't care too much about the rest of the league, and I get that, I understand that, because the NBA is all-encompassing, it's on your phone, it's everywhere, there's jerseys everywhere, and you'd have to be a bit of a basketball nuffy just to really get into the NBL, and I, I appreciate that, but it, and it's just great, I don't care about people coming onto the bandwagon, I know there's a few other teams, um, fans who around this country go, oh, well, where have you guys been with the tough leaders? <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all about it, yeah, like, get it. back on. Um, 2015 when they got back in there and they won that championship, I'm like, yeah, welcome back. Those three years when they won three in a row were fantastic. Yeah. I don't mind if you dropped off in 2014 where it was a bit pe- when a bit pear shaped, but welcome back. Get back on it. It's <laughs> going to be great. They want it. They need it. Love it, bro. That's bloody awesome. Um, and we'll take our attention to the NBA. Um, big news, obviously, this morning. Kyrie Irving is off to the Mavs. Holy moly! Like, <laughs> I don't know. No, I mean, I thought that. LeBron James and the LA Lakers might have got him. Uh, I couldn't see them breaking up the young core, the young wings of, of Phoenix, which is mm. another team that was in the running. But for Dallas Mavericks, and they do have a roster that was pretty average around Luka Doncic, but these are two really ball-dominant players. Like I think both of them are in the top 10 of ISO plays run for um, yes. these guys. It just It's just going to be so interesting to see how Jason Kidd who was an elite point guard in the NBA for so long, an NBA championship winner, 
who was like the king of the passing game. He was so good. It's going to be really interesting to see how he operates with these two guys who are so good with the ball in hand, how their offense now looks. But you know what? They've got half a season to make it work, and they don't owe Kyrie anything at the end of the season. So if it doesn't work, the Dallas Mavericks have a lot of salary cap to work with in the offseason. How do you think it's going to work? Because exactly that, I I think you're right. Both ball dominant, need the ball in their hands, big point scorers. You know, how does that kind of uh, combination actually work? Yeah, I just think it's going to come down to who's got the hot hand. Kyrie, Kyrie is like he's a, he's a good basketball player, obviously, but he's also a really smart basketball player, yeah. um, and he's got really good vision. And he'll be more than happy to run with a guy like Luka Doncic, because Luka doesn't need to have the ball in his hand the whole time. And that was really probably some of the Mavs' problems is that you knew where, where it was going. He just can create so easily because he's so big, and his um, skill set is so varied. But I just I see them operating together on in that high pick and roll, getting Luca to the elbow, operating against the small smaller players. I don't know about Kyrie operating within the locker room. <laughs> I just, he he I just he's so unique, and you see what happened when it when he couldn't play because of his anti vaccination status because <laughs> he was trying to support New Yorkers who weren't getting vaccinated. Like that kind of that's where he comes into the play where. How will he fit with the rest of the Dallas Mavericks roster in terms of wanting to fit in and get these guys into a good place in the playoffs in the Western Conference? Molly, we have to talk about LBJ, LeBron James, because he is about to become the NBA's greatest scorer, uh, just 36 points away. Someone has just bought courtside tickets for $146,000. How much are you <laughs> paying to be there? <laughs> I'm, I would not pay that much, like... <laughs> It is, it is a remarkable feat. It's a testament to, obviously, his longevity, but also yeah. his dedication and his ability to stay um, at that elite level for so long. I, look, Kareem is... We, you just have to... I don't know. There's probably a few listeners who will remember Kareem playing, but Kareem was just amazing as a big man. And the longevity of a big man back then through the 60s and 70s and into the 80s, he just kept going and going. And... Like I just, it was different basketball. It was much more physical than it is now, and it's just. Um, I think it kind of. LeBron and Kareem don't really have a relationship. In fact, I don't think they do have a relationship, which is really weird. I think Kareem doesn't really rate his social justice um, crusade that LeBron has sort of adopted over mm. the last few years, where um, it's kind of irked Kareem. And Kareem was at the forefront of social justice when he was a young man before he became Kareem when he was Lua Sindor, and it just um, it. It's a it's a bit of a shame. I hope Kareem is there to see it. I don't know if he will be, but I hope the Lakers are able to work behind the scenes and get Kareem there because it is a monumental moment in mm. this NBA. It was like Kobe's last game when he you know hit sixty on the Jazz. Um, it's just going to be a special moment at, in Staples Center, and he's going to get it at Staples Center. He's going to get thirty six at least. That's for sure. Do you yeah, what if he go, doesn't like, get it, and all these people have spent literally hundreds of thousands? You don't think it goes to Milwaukee? <laughs> No, I don't. I don't think so. I think it just. I think it's going to happen because LeBron wants it, and I, I imagine they they want to get it out of the way. Um, who are they playing again? They playing OKC. OKC, OKC on Wednesday. Yeah. Do you think it's scripted, oh, okay. mate? It's supposed to be like the NFL. Oh, the, the, the scripted, yeah, the scripted <laughs> stuff for the NFL is great. Like I really, like I love that stuff. Like even like the scripted stuff with the new, uh, the Brooklyn Nets. 
um, won in trades. Every time Boston beat them, you know, um, James Harden won it out. And then they got beaten in a, in a playoff series by the Celtics and Kevin Durant won it out. And then Kyrie gets smashed by the Celtics and he wants a trade. Like, the scripted stuff is hilarious. And, like, it's what keeps the internet going. But OKC isn't a great team. They're mm. a pretty good young team. Um, they've defied a lot of expectations, which were very low this season. But I, I think LeBron's definitely getting 36 against the Thunder at Staples. Molly, um, this is a broad-ranging question, but I'm sure you've had it before and you would have thought about it time and time again. Who are your top three greatest of all times on the basketball court? Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a good question, Chris, because it's always going to be Michael Jordan. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to, been privileged enough to see both him and LeBron in their prime. And I, my third player of all time, it really, it really is a toss-up between. I loved Larry Bird, um, I loved Magic Johnson, and I can't really come to a conclusion where it's <laughs> a third player along those guys' line. I, I mean, I wasn't, I'm not really a fan of the big men like Bill Russell or Kareem because I never watched them play. Um, Shaq, I saw sometimes, but I didn't really appreciate Shaq until now. It's really hard to put somebody else in that third spot. Yep. And um, I'm not not really a great fan of Kobe as well as a player, um, so I'm going to have to I'm going to have to say Larry Bird is my third. Oh, Ricardo Paul will be so happy every time I come into the office, mate. He's got a new Larry Bird story, so <laughs> he'll be so stoked that you've said that. Yeah, Larry Legend, he's great. I love him. Oh, he's bloody awesome. Thanks, mate. Really appreciate you jumping on and having a chat to us, all things basketball, mate. Um, and look, hey, um, just just let us know where you're going to be watching uh, LeBron James you know, <laughs> get those 35 points before he moves on to play Milwaukee. It definitely won't be. It definitely won't be at Staples. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Mully. Probably the only day off all year you have and you still jump on radio to talk to us. So thank you so much. We, we see you. We appreciate it. No worries, no worries. Thank you. Andrew Mulligan joining us here to talk all things basketball. Of course, you can hear him on Sky Sport on the Breakers coverage. You can see him on Crowd Goes Wild Monday and Thursdays as well. And he's got his own basketball podcast too called Straight Dribble. Look it up uh, everywhere you find your great podcasts on Apple and Spotify as well. Uh, Can we talk about this LeBron James story? $146,000 for courtside tickets. Seriously, what if he doesn't do it? He averages 30 30 points a game, he needs 36. If you're the other team, are you spoiling his party or are you just letting him have it? Have the basket? I'll tell you what, it's scripted. Just like Mal said, yeah, it's scripted. Like, you, like the Boston trades, uh, sorry, the Nets trades, like the NFL, it's all scripted. Where does he sit for you? Uh, LeBron? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's tough. I, I think um, I've always respected LeBron as, as a player, and I think that, that point on the social justice stuff is, was big as well. Sometimes LeBron just opens his mouth when he doesn't need to, and it just takes takes it off a little bit for me. But um, I've always been a Chicago Bulls fan because of Michael Jordan, so I'd have to put Michael Jordan up there uh, right at the top as well. And, and Larry Bird, I haven't watched too much of Larry Bird, but... But Ricardo does tell me all the time that he's the greatest of all time. So, well, in his opinion. So, yeah. Have you seen the Lakers Dynasty documentary? Oh, <laughs> Ricardo sends me the link, I reckon, weekly. I still haven't it's, watched it. It's a great it. documentary, to. to be fair. To. And, of course, uh, the uh, relationship between the Boston Celtics and the Lakers back in the day, plus mm. Jerry West. And it's, yeah. it's just got everything, that docudrama. It, it is just brilliant. Have you seen it, Jacob? Uh, no, I haven't, actually. But I know that that is. 
it's not not completely true. No, if you it's, get a me. It, it's, it's a false false drama. It's a docudrama. So it's a movie story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, still, I agree. Like it's a it's it, great. It would be it would be great viewing. How do how do you watch it? I actually don't know. I'm not in charge it, of technology. I, th- at I think it might on. be on Prime Video. Is it Prime Video? It might, I could be. I could be wrong. It's a great series. What's so. it called? Showtime. Uh, Showtime. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, if you want to know the numbers, of course, uh, who Mully was talking about, the, the star from the 1970s Lakers side who had that skyhook. That was his move, wasn't it? The skyhook mm. that was unstoppable. Uh, so he recorded over 20 years in NBA history 38,387 points. Yep. Just let that sink in. So Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had 38,387 career points in the NBA over a 20-year period. Mm. Michael Jordan had 32,292 points. Kobe Bryant, 33,643. And Shaq, 28,596. No one's even come close to that 38,387 mark until now. LeBron James, 38 years old. 36 like points it, yeah. away. Looking like doing it is um, 151 games less time than Kareem as well. So that's significant. But that just. How uh, long does he keep going for? Um, he's still in his he's, prime. He's still desperate to play with his son, right? So how, he's still how many desperate. years? What's that, Jacob? I reckon maybe two years. Yeah, Give him th- two? yeah his son. Give him his 40? son's going to college next year, I think. Mm. Yeah, uh, that could be. Could, yeah, I think. Yeah. I think so. You know these so, athletes that we talk about, like Tom Brady, like the. They age, but then they've got these amazing routines. Age he must like be. Yep. He, he must be one of them. His routine oh, yeah. to look after his body he, and his self must be There was one thing that came out. He's saying he's spending um, a million and a half a year yep. just on like recovery and, and and food and stuff like that. So there's a significant budget there to stay at that level. And I imagine Tom Brady would have been the same. Mm. A million and a half dollars, yeah, uh, to to just look after your body. And that's yeah. just in the off season, Mitch. That was just throughout the um, time off that he gets from the NBA. So that wasn't all throughout the year. God knows what he spends mm. just between games and on physio. I know he does cryotherapy. I'm not sure what his diet is, but it's... Taco I mean, Tuesday. He, yeah, Taco Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Taco Tuesday. Yeah, have his own chef. God, yeah. What a guy. Well, uh, $146,000 seems to be the max price for sideline tickets to watch LeBron James make history as the highest point scorer in the NBA, which you imagine won't be beaten for uh, many, many years to come. What would you, if money was no object, what would you pay that sort of money for? If you could watch someone in their last match, if you could go back in history, what would be worth that sort of money if money was no object to you. I'm curious, what would you, what would I'll you do? You what, what would you be see? spending uh, $99,900 $99, on uh, Tom Brady's retirement, sand, sand. That's what I wouldn't be doing. That's what on the bid's what? up to now. It, have you heard, not heard this? No, what is this? So Tom Brady did this retirement speech and yeah. sitting on the beach and someone's found the location, <laughs> the exact spot. And what, and the, bottled, trying to pay $100,000? Bottled up sand and put it on eBay and, and it's Absolutely up to $99,900 US. Who's the person that found it? Genius. Oh, so good. Absolute genius. So Jacob, you could be retired. That's terrible. You like, could be retired I if saw, you did that. I saw the video of that niche and I just thought like, oh, The greatest con man ever.
That's bloody awesome. Yeah. And while we were talking about um, Tom Brady, we spoke about the other day, Giselle, and how um, he might be looking for a younger woman like Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, Leonardo's new girlfriend is 19 years old, so he's staying true to his under-25s. A young model. I don't know her name off the top of my head. but Yeah, he's a classic under-25 still. So, yep, just to give you that daily update on Leonardo DiCaprio. And actually, um, on Leonardo DiCaprio's dating life, would you believe that um, his last his ex girlfriend ex girlfriend's last name was Morone, and my mate, my best mate in Wellington, his last name's Morone, and he's Argentinian, and he reckons, and he it's been proven, like he's proven it to me, that's a, that's his second cousin that he, Leonardo DiCaprio is going out with. Would you believe that? I don't know, but anyway. Just thought I'd add that in there. <laughs> but you also, Wonder if he's thought Jacob. of dating his second cousin. <laughs> Who? Facundo? My mate? No. <laughs> yeah. oh, what? No, dude, no. Well, she was good looking. You believe everything you hear. That, that, that's true. That you is do, true. Jacob. No, he, no, but like that is true. I do. I'm very gullible, <laughs> but that's true. Gullible, the Jacob. Swift gang? What's that? The, the Taylor Swift, Swift gang. Swift. Oh right, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, you know, he's that he's a Swift driver actually. Oh, so. he's where you got the inspo from. Oh, yeah. nice. Okay, beautiful. <laughs> Very good. Uh, well, we've got some cricketing news coming up right after this, and we're doing cream of the crop as well. Plus, just around the corner, our interview with US College superstar Brevin Galloway. Don't go anywhere. Right here on the run home. All thanks to Rotaflex by Blunston. Stability meets the freedom to move. Let's go, Uncle. Staying in to watch the sport, let us cook. Get your Macca's favourites delivered with McDelivery. Rotaflex, world-leading biomechanical design by Blunston. Stability meets the freedom to move. Available at participating retailers now. Hold on to your seats. It's the run home with Kirsten Beeve. By Well, talking about uh, records, Mitch, Kane Williamson has a record coming up as well. He needs 39 runs uh, in the next Test Series against England to pass Ross Taylor as the country's leading Test run scorer. Mm. Got out and had some action today as well for Northern Districts and the Ford Trophy. Geez, he's taking it seriously. I think that's, uh, what's it been, almost six years since he's Long, long time. Long, long time. So he's taking this record seriously. First time since 2014. 2014. Jeez. Um, look, I'd imagine Ross will be there as well. Um, he'll make the trip over from Hamilton if that's the case. These are those special milestones, um, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, great, great milestones. And Ross is that kind of guy. He's, he's a team man, a great fella. So he'll probably make the trip across. Well, um, it happened. First test, second test. What are you picking? Uh, is there... Yeah, first, uh, first test. Look, yep, is someone going to pay $100,000 be... to sit right there when Kane Williamson makes history? Jeez, it would be bloody good if they did. That's what he means yeah, to us. Makes He's, it, our yeah. <laughs> He's our LeBron James. He's our LeBron James, you reckon? Yep. Uh, At home, in Tauranga, look, the script is written, isn't it? Yep. It is written for him. Yep. Um, would you get more people there if Kane gets that, those amount of runs or Gary Stead retires? Um, no, I'm, joking. I'm taking that Look, piss. Look, we know, we know how piss. you feel. That's You've awesome. done Survivor and you got rid of everyone at board level and below. No, no we, just, we just did the one. We could have got rid of everyone. But, yeah, that's a, it's going to be yeah, it's gonna be an outstanding achievement, um, one of the greats. And, and it'll be interesting to see how far he goes once he's ticked off that milestone, right? Um, that's the thing. We're getting to that point in people like Kane's career um, where oh, we are wondering when, when they, it is. When it is. When he's does so it finish? Young. I know. 
He's I know not that old match. He's always the guy I think most people um, within the cricketing circles thought would just one day, like Lydia Ko, set just a date, like a, an age, and just he go, knows I'm it in done. His mind, probably. Yeah, where Lydia's kind of come out and said it publicly. He's yeah. always seemed like that kind of guy. That, when do you think it'll be? You're a betting man. I, I think he'll go through for New Zealand until the end of the next T20 World Cup. See how the start of this next World Test Championship starts. If they start well, I think he might continue. Otherwise, I think next T20 World Cup, I think he'll be he'll be uh, sadly missed or sorely missed. But that's just that's just a, you said a betting man, so yeah. put it out there. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And uh, you should be there to watch Kane Williamson make history as well. I hope it's on day one. I'll be there day one. Otherwise, yeah. Jacob will too. Yep. Yeah. Oh, Jacob, I'll find you, mate. Jacob will too. Maybe you can catch that. It'll be a six over boundary. One of you two in the crowd oh, to catch oh, that ball and then put it online and sell it just like the sand. Sell it. How yeah, many 100%. People? Yeah, that'd be great actually. Yeah, that'd be do bloody perfect. The, do you get to keep that, those balls or do you have to give them back? Oh, I think out of respect you give it back, don't That's you? The one that that was wants. a big um, World Cup thing, right, with the uh, – with, uh, what was her name? Uh, yeah, I know the girl's name, but I'm mm. not going to out her name on, on air again. Uh, go through that again. But that that catch, um, returning the ball to, to Grant Elliott, um, those big moments, eh? Bloody Huge awesome. Moments. You want that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So do you reckon Grant Elliott has that ball tucked away somewhere? Would it be on a mantle pace and a safe? I reckon it's right next to his Kleenex. His tissues. His tissues, right next to his bed. <laughs> <laughs> Time now for cream of the crop, all thanks to Grain Corp Feeds. Uh, and today's cream of the crop is the one and only Jimmy Nation, very cricketing-themed show. But if you haven't seen it, he took a brilliant catch in the T20 uh, South African lead league. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I cannot believe that. This guy continues to just take stupendous catches. Oh, you've done it again! You've done it again and again! I can't believe this! Jimmy Nation, what do you have for food? What do you have for food, Jimmy Nation? He could do no wrong. Well, in the field. He's been scoring bugger all runs. In the field. <laughs> yeah. no, uh, he's, That's why he's our cream of the crop. Genuine athlete, right? I, was it the World Cup game against, was it against India? He took an absolute screamer as well. Um, except, exceptional in the slips and backward point. Hey? Does it hurt those when you catches? take those catches? Nah, nah, Not nah, at all. Nah, Your nah, hands nah. are so tough. Yeah, guys, guys are pretty good now, like. Yeah, uh, like, oh, you mean in terms of the ball? Yeah, yeah. sometimes you catch. Women coming at you. Yeah, sometimes you catch it um, on the on the blood vessels and then it blows up like a little bluey and, and every time you get hit after that, it's bloody painful. Um, but those are sensational. Um, he's a great fielder. Uh, he's a great fielder. And, and someone who I think New Zealand cricket will be hoping again with this Trent Bolt talk um, will be coming back into the mix come World Cup time. Yeah, where is he at right now? Obviously, he went to the Big Bash League in Australia. Now he's over playing in South Africa. Mm. Where is he at with his New Zealand contracting situation? Um, yeah, look, I, I don't know. He's turned it down twice, right? He's turned so down the New Zealand contract it. twice, yeah. Um, they offered, kept on re-offering it to him, so he's not that keen. So that's... Um, but we'll see. It's World Cup next year, and the beauty of before the next World Cup is that there's going to be another round of contracts. So we'll see who is keen to, if they are going to stay with the contract um, route of playing for New Zealand New Zealand, and in pinnacle events, um, we'll get a good indication of what players want to play that World Cup. How old is Jimmy now? Uh, geez, Jimmy would be 33, 34. He's still got lots of time, but um, I, 
you just I don't know when, when he's, yeah when you when you're not kids. in the frame for Test cricket your your rankings go down so big in New Zealand cricket and and to stay here and and not make that much money when you're at that age um, because you're not playing Test cricket is is the hundred percent hundred percent and then hopefully that we relax those a little bit for the white ball players in the future but yep yeah, uh, yeah interesting it's, it's super interesting times so. Well, that is Jimmy Nation. He is our cream of the crop this week, our MVP uh, of the weekend, all thanks to PDG Rights and, and Grain Corp Feeds. Uh, great to have you with us right here on The Run Home. Thanks to Mick Delivery. Coming right up, we've got this a wonderful basketball talent who one day you may see in the NBA, one day you could see him right here on New Zealand Shores. One of his best mates plays for the New Zealand Breakers and we're catching up with... The one and only <laughs> Brevin, Galloway. Brevin Galloway. I Galloway. Always, I keep wanting to call him Bevan, but it's Brevin. Yeah. Yep. And Brevin. the king golfer that you are, you want to say Callaway as well, don't you? Not Galloway. No, not Galloway. <laughs> Bevan Galloway. <laughs> Brevin Galloway. <laughs> Honestly, it's a thing. But he's coming up right after this on the run home. Well, we're so lucky right here on the Run Homes Waitangi Day special to be joined by a college ball superstar out of the States, Brevin Galloway uh, from the Clemson Tigers, who suffered a crazy injury. Wait until you hear more about this. Brevin, thank you so much for your time and joining us here in New Zealand on New Zealand Radio as well. Tell us a little bit more about your injury before we get into the actual basketball. <laughs> so the injury was crazy. Um Obviously, the, the doctors named it uh, testicular torsion, and it's whenever your testicles twist, uh, the blood supply and circulation is cut off, so it causes them to swell rapidly. Uh, it's very, very excruciating pain, um, but I was able to get through it, had, it, had to go have emergency surgery, so I'm grateful that I'm still being able to get back on the court and recover quickly. I've got a curse. I'll, I'll take it from here. I know you don't really want to talk about this, but it's a, it's a, it is a man <laughs> issue, mate. It's, it's something that's more common than uh, than you would think. Um, how, how did mm-hmm. uh, doctors think that it happened to you, mate? Yeah, so the biggest thing was, uh, so once they told me, they told me that my testicles were pretty much separated since birth. So I guess, like, it's weird to say, but obviously I have to, like, give the details. But, like, so pretty much they were separated in my sack and then – uh, it caused them to be loose, and so therefore, they, they, I mean, therefore, they were able to just twist and move out any kind of way that they wanted to. Um, so after the surgery, they pretty much got stapled down to both sides. So now they're pretty much stationary, and they shouldn't move anymore. So hopefully, that's what that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's absolutely unreal, mate. Um, so what it, it swelled up was there? If you give us some size reference from like what 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 size were they at the start? What size did they finish at? Uh, at the start, they were typically like, mm, I'm trying to think of a good thing to say at the start. I, I want to say smaller than a golf ball. I mean, just typical normal size. And then afterwards, I mean, they got, they were pretty decent size. They were a little bit, they were a little bit larger than golf balls, but then also just like rock hard solid. That was probably the scariest thing about it, just because it was just rock hard solid, like couldn't move, couldn't breathe, couldn't talk without any kind of pain. Um, so yeah, it was very brutal. And it happened within like five to 10 minutes because I went to sleep. Uh, I was fighting my sleep during my nap for like 30 minutes. Uh, the first 20 minutes was kind of uncomfortable. And then like the last 10 minutes before I actually like realized what was going on, it just like the pain went from five to eight. Then it just hit 10 out of nowhere. And I was just like, I couldn't move or breathe. And I felt like just even thinking I was hurt. 
Bro, that's unbelievable. And, and I know you got rushed straight into surgery and everything's all good now. You've said you're stapled to the side, so hopefully that can't happen again. But uh, from everything I've read about you and listened about you so far, you're forever the optimist and always looking for an opportunity out there, mate. And, and you ended up signing a sponsorship deal with uh, is a, a clothing brand called Sinisty, who, uh, from yep. what I heard, they they saw they saw your nightmare outcome from from what happened and they knew that they had a solution that that should never happen again, mate. So, so now you are the face of an underwear brand. Is that right? Yep, yep. Shinesty is the deal that I signed with, uh, the, or the company that I signed with. And yeah, man, they just needed an underwear model. And uh, yeah, they they hit up my agent. My agent was able to get in contact with them and sort out a deal. And uh, so yeah, it ended up working out beautifully. It turned a scary situation into a positive, and uh, I'm thankful for it. And I'm happy that uh, I was able to, you know, I was able to leave victorious. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about these nil deals or the NIL deals? Because mm-hmm. we're a little bit sheltered here in New Zealand. And, and as far as we knew uh, with College Ball, you couldn't earn money or anything like that. So how does it work now? What's changed? Yeah, so the biggest thing is obviously with NIL deals, uh, student athletes are able to profit off of their name, image, and likeness. And like years prior, whenever they couldn't, like, for example, like we couldn't profit off of uh, teams or schools selling our jerseys and uniforms. Yeah. But now every jersey that is sold we get we get a percentage of it um so it's just stuff like that and now obviously if you're a social media famous or if you have some kind of cloud on social media then you're able to obviously get social media deals which i'm blessed enough to be able to get um so companies hit me up i've worked with like jewelry companies i've worked with mercedes insomnia cookies um i've worked with some big time companies uh and just been able to do so through my social media so NIL has definitely changed the game in college athletics and college sports in general just because now it's treated more like a professional sport instead of just the amateurism like it used to be. And so it should be as well. It sounds like finally um, it's in line with what it should have been a long, long time ago. You're a social right. media star. You've got a blimmin' million followers out there. Who's got the most followers in college ball and what are the fans like over there? Like how crazy is it for you when you're playing and when you're just walking around campus? Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, so I think at our school, I'm probably one of the most probably one of the most known on social media, uh, definitely like in our conference for sure. And around the country, not a lot of not a lot of basketball players have a platform the way I do. And that's why I'm so thankful that I have it just because obviously it's a very, very rare opportunity. Um, so but then uh, then what was the second part of the question again? I forgot. I actually can't remember what I asked you now. <laughs> that, that was my bad for asking like three questions in one go. No, that's bloody good. Well, yeah, I guess this is how you get these deals. And um, and an event like this, you've really capitalised on it. Um, I, I don't know if you know, but uh, Manu Ginobili from the San Antonio Spurs, mm-hmm. one of the NBA greats, he had the same exact injury, mate. He was back in four weeks. Mm-hmm. You, you, you were back playing after one. You were back playing after one. Yeah, uh, yeah. What's, what's, what's the difference, mate? Are you just built different? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I would like to think that, but nah, really it was just because, uh, I don't know, my body just recovered quickly from the surgery because the biggest thing was, obviously, the it was a sensitive area, which I had surgery on, and we had to wait for it to clear up and not be sensitive or tender. So after day three, um, I was able to start doing like some rowing and some start some light jogging and stuff like that to kind of build up volume. And then by day five, I was back in practice doing everything. I have to wear a cup. Um, for the rest of the year and the rest of the games, obviously, to still protect them. But at the same time, I was able to move pretty fast with the recovery, and I played yesterday, so uh, so I'm grateful for it. Yeah, you played yesterday, um, and I'm sure you were wearing your, your brand-new uh, underwear as well, mate, to hold that cup in place. Um, look, you recently yeah. got engaged, bro. Um, mm-hmm. Who was more nervous uh, going into the surgery, you or your <laughs> new fiancé? 
My fiance was definitely nervous. Uh, that was the first question she asked the doctor was, uh, are we going to be able to have kids? <laughs> so, so, uh, so she was, so she was on it. She was on it as soon as, uh, as soon as obviously the question started arising and how serious the issue was. That was one of the first questions she asked rightfully. So though, obviously we wanted to make sure we have kids and able to have that part of our lives. And uh, obviously we want a family and stuff like that. So, uh, so yeah, she was definitely asking the doctor all kind of questions, but she was nervous. But at the same time, she knew I was going to be taken care of. Well, a positive thing, mate, is that we have a famous cricketer here in New Zealand called Ross Taylor, and he had a similar surgery in Zimbabwe when we were on tour, and um, he actually mm-hmm. split his open, and he had his third child after that. So there's positive signs out there, mate. You'll be sweet. Uh, she can rest easy at night, a little bit easier than you yep. have over the last week. So happy days. Um, look, I, I don't know if you caught Donovan Mitchell um, copping a fist to that region that we are talking about by Dylan Brooks um, the other day. After going through something like this, feeling that pain, do you feel like he should have got more than a one week, uh, one game suspension? Um, I don't know. I mean, I really don't. The suspension stuff really is kind of, it's kind of up in the air for me. Obviously, I feel like if you're like fighting and doing all that type of stuff, then mm. yeah, you should get suspended. Mm. Um, but with everything else, uh, I kind of, I'm not really big on suspensions just because I don't see the whole value of it, unless it's like for a longer period of time. But one game, I don't think that's really teaching anybody a lesson. Brevin, tell us a little bit more about where your team's at at the moment, what your run home is like, um, and what March Madness is all about. Yeah, so uh, obviously right now it's a very, very exciting time for us. Um, middle of the season, heating up. Things are getting heating uh, heating up just mm. because towards the end of conference play. Uh, obviously we want to make sure we finish first place because right now we're in first place. Uh, I think we're like one game and a half ahead. Mm. So even our loss yesterday didn't really affect us that bad. Um, but at the end of the day, like we want to win our games and defend home court. Uh, but yeah, so it's exciting. And then March Madness is obviously a big deal just because obviously there's 300 and I forgot how many teams exactly, 350, 360 teams, I think in the States, uh, for college and then only 68 make it. So with that being said, like it's, it's, it's getting crunch time for us. Obviously we want to make sure that we're a part of that 68 and that we're able to experience March Madness because it is once in a lifetime experience. Um, I was able to do it my freshman year. Uh, I didn't play at all, but I was able to just be on the team with the guys and obviously to travel out to San Diego. Uh, That was my first time being in California. So uh, they're once in a lifetime experiences. And obviously there's something that like uh, you don't want to make, you want to, you want to make sure that you make it if you have the opportunity to. Yeah. And um, obviously after, after recovering and getting back on the court, um, you had that loss over the weekend. You're facing University yeah. of North, North Carolina this weekend. Uh, what, what have mm-hmm. they got now that everyone's going to be following Clemson? Uh, now, what have they brought to the table? And, and we'll be watching out for, for your little tips on how you guys are going to beat them over the weekend. <laughs> yeah, so the big, I mean, North Carolina is obviously a great group. Uh, they were ranked number one in the country coming into the season. Uh, they had a tough schedule, so they took some early losses, but that's not really an indicator of how good they are. Um, they're a very talented group, have experience. Obviously, they made the national championship last year. So, and obviously, playing on the road at their place is going to be tough in itself. Uh, just being on the road is tough alone. So, it's definitely going to be a dogfight. We just got to make sure that we stay together as a team uh, and that we don't get flustered early because they do have a great crowd. Uh, their their facilities and everything is just beautiful. Like, that's really one of one whenever it comes down to college experiences and playing there. So, the atmosphere is going to be lit. It's a great opportunity for us to go on the road and make a statement win. Uh, so I'm excited for it. And this is your last year of college, is that right? Yes, I'm a senior this year. Yeah, senior this year. Um, so I guess the pressing question is, is the underwear model career going to continue <laughs> after this? Or uh, what What does the future hold for, for you, mate? 
Uh, yeah, so the biggest thing is uh, I've dealt with a lot of injuries in my career. So uh, so this is my actually my seventh year in school. I have a very, very rare story. So I, I missed two seasons because uh, I tore my ACL and then I tore my hamstring. So I had two season-ending injuries, uh, which allowed me to get two extra years on top of my just regular five years of school, which are uh, guaranteed in school. So I've been so I've been in school for a long time now. So uh, so I'm excited to finish this year out strong, and then hopefully I'll be able to become a professional basketball player after this year, uh, whether it be the NBA or overseas. Um, I actually have a uh, I actually have a former teammate that's in New Zealand. He plays for the Breakers right now. Tell us who. Uh, Jarrell Brantley. Wow. Well, the Breakers have just made the semifinals in the NBL over here, so we're behind yep, them all the yep. way. Jarrell, Jarrell Brantley is like that's like my brother. So yeah, oh, so we could see you there. down here next year. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, NBA awesome. first, and then come to the Breakers second. Right, right. Hopefully, that's how it plans out. But yeah, he was over there, and he told me how much he loves it. He enjoys it over there. Him and his family are over there, and they love it. So, uh, so yeah, I've been talking to him about like obviously the pro career and stuff like that. So I'm excited for that next chapter in my life. Well, that is so exciting. Now we don't only have Stephen Adams to watch, but we've got Brevin Galloway as well. Thank you so much uh, for your time, for coming on, and we wish you all the best in the coming weeks and month. Thank you so much. I appreciate y'all for having me, man. Y'all be safe. Thank right, you so man. much, Brevin. Take it easy.